0: Good morning, everyone. How are you? Kind of quiet back there, everybody. Good morning. Uh, This is the Richmond City Council's budget work session. Um, We are called to order. We have a a pretty tight agenda, colleagues. Uh, Department of Social Services will present the Office of Community Wealth Building, Richmond Public Libraries, and Department of Justice Services in that order. Uh, with that, uh, we are expecting our president to arrive uh, shortly, but we want to uh, get started um, punctually so that we can get through in a timely manner. Madam matter, matter, Clerk, if you would, uh, evacuation procedures, please.
1: Yes, ma'am. The council evacuation announcement goes as follows. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, All persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chambers, or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot, bordered by Clay, 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. And adhering to council's rules of procedure, Everyone in attendance should be seated at this time.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk. The first department, and Ms. Brown, do you have anything before we get underway? Uh, department of Social Services.
2: Good morning, Madam Vice President, members Good morning. of council. I'm Shonda Giles, Director of Social Services. Um, and I believe you have our budget presentation in. Therefore, I'm going to be very brief in my presentation and open to any questions that you may have. Um, as you will see, the variance between our budget for fiscal year 18 and 19 is um, a decrease of $63,320. So it really is fairly static budget um, for us. If you, I'm going to go down to our, our um, personnel. At the time that this information was captured, we had 138.8 vacancies, I can tell you, of that, 69 are currently in active recruitment. We have about an um, 18-month turnover rate for our staff, so we will continue um, to have that. Um, Looking at that, there is a proposed increase in personnel funding for fiscal year 20, so we are um, slowly being able to recruit for additional positions. Um, as I go through the proposed changes, um, what you will see is that while some areas have decreased, other areas have increased, and it really is a reflection of our analysis of our data and trying to manage by the data. Um, And then there are just some areas, for example, the Harmony software change, our major change number one, is the case management system for our Children's Services Act office. It's our financial management system, and that's an annual license that needs to be renewed. So that's why that's in that budget. Um, for the Children's Services Act office, you will see that our last year allocation for the local share was a little over 7 million. Um, this year, it's, we're proposing 9 million because we're recognizing an increase um, in the types of services um, that our youth need. Um, I think that's also reflected a little bit, and I'll get to that later, in some of the decreases that you will see in certain foster care categories. Looking at the Foster Care Independent Living and Fostering Futures Program, which is major change number three, the state has finally, I would say it's been long overdue, but enacted legislation um, has been passed to support foster care for kids beyond the age of 18, so 18 through 21. So we do anticipate an increase with respect to that. And Richmond was one of two localities that were actually um, selected for social services to pilot a housing program for that population to prevent homelessness. Um, for them. So we're very excited about that with Charlottesville, Albemarle County, and um, the city of Richmond was selected for that pilot. Um, You will notice an increase in the Healthy Start home-based program, which would increase. um, That grant requires us to increase participation, and it's for working with families um, in at-risk neighborhoods, and so there's a proposed increase so that we can increase family participation in that program. Um, And the foster care special needs adoption. Um, try not to get too technical because you'll also find foster care special needs adoption title 4E. So, the special needs adoption has decreased, but there will be an increase in the 4E um, adoption simply because we're finding that more youth are qualifying for that budget line versus, or the 4E services under special needs versus just the simple special needs. Um, and so, that's why we reflected the shift in that budget. Um, we are continuing to work with Casey Family Programs, um, and we have been since late 2015, early 16. And one of the things that um, in us plodding along, recognizing if you're looking at implementation of change science, that it takes some time to see some of the changes we've implemented. But one of the things that I was very proud of that actually state social services brought to my attention is that from October of 16 to October of 17, we've reduced the number of school-age children that are in foster care by thirty four percent. I will I'm open to any questions that you may have.
0: Thank you.
3: I have some questions. Yes. Sorry. Ms. Trammell. Right. Um, hi. hi Ms. What Trammell. Is, let me make sure we're on the my
2: um, book is all apart too but anyway what is CSA? Children's Services Act. So it is pool funds that provides um, funding for kids who are at risk, who are in foster care, who are court involved. It's really all of the youth, at risk youth in the city of Richmond. So it would include funding for residential placements. Um, group home placements, treatment foster care, which is previously known as therapeutic foster care. Um, It would cover some mentoring services, home-based services, um, counseling services, as well as private day placements for schools. So it really does run the gamut of service provisions for at-risk youth.
3: Okay, and then... um... I'm sorry, I couldn't get anybody over the weekend, but anyway, there was another one about $9 million.
2: I think that's the CSA. That's for the CSA? Yes, ma'am.
3: And then there was a decrease in some funding, too? I mean, for the CSA, very important I think
2: me. if you look at the special funds, there was, I believe, perhaps a clerical error, but it was a transfer out, so it looks like um, it's a decrease in $4 million. But the local share, if you take that out, was actually 7 point. $094 um, million for last fiscal year, and we're requesting $9 million this year. So it's technically an increase, but it, if you look at the special fund, it looks like it's a decrease and it's not.
3: Okay, because it's, it's asking a decreasing funding for early childhood as much as Okay, I guess. So you're looking at early childhood. Uh-huh. I'm um, there at that is one a too.
2: decrease in early childhood, which has always been incorporated into our Healthy Start program, and that is local only funding. I think that's been decreased for early childhood, but I can tell you the programming will remain static because over the years we've been doing that through our Healthy Start. So the nurturing parenting courses, and we've had staff trained um, to do those courses. So this, while the the funding has decreased, I think our efficiencies have increased.
3: Okay, and then um, are you replacing, like, case management, children's health care, I mean, child health services, community outreach? Are you decreasing any of that? All right, let me see
2: what you're – could you tell me what page you're referencing? on page 164.
3: It looks like we're reducing, like I said, the case management – Counseling service, customer service, early child development.
2: Um, it's not a reduction; it's just a reflection in how we're capturing it. And those were primarily salaries before, and I don't think that the how it was accounted accurately reflected how that money was being spent. Um, and so you will find that captured in a different category. And I don't have the specifics. Of what categories they're in now, but if you'd like that, I can provide it. I'd
3: like to have that, please. Okay. And then another question. Um, The home-based service up up 100,000. That's on page 169.
2: Home-based services, I'm sorry.
3: Because, um, the home-based service up over $100,000 and then the special need adoption up by 1 million. What is the foster care independent living?
2: All right, so special needs adoption, I'm not sure if you heard earlier, but what I spoke about is um, we have special needs adoption, and then we have special needs Title IV-E adoption, Um, and we've realized that kids are qualified more for the category of special needs adoption Title IV-E, so you will see an increase in that area and a decrease in special, just regular special needs adoption. Um, it's just eligibility determinations. We have more kids available or eligible for the 4E. Um, I'm, you had another question. Okay,
3: so, the foster care independent living.
2: So foster care independent living fostering futures is what it's called and the general assembly um, has approved that program and funding for that program and so it's Increased um, foster care services for kids beyond the age of 18. So now until they're 21, they'll be eligible for foster care services, which they have not been um, in the past. So that's why it's over $200,000, Yes, I ma'am. Mean. That's why we're requesting an increase, because we will have more youth or young adults, excuse me, they're 18 now, um, eligible for those services where they have not been in the past. Because it's going from 18
3: to 21.
2: Yes, where typically foster care ends at 18 once you're an adult.
0: Any other questions, Councilmembers? Madam Chair. Ms. Robertson. I'm sorry. Mr. Agilesto, if you will be next. After Ms. Robertson. Okay.
4: Presentation. Um, there are a lot of changes in this budget this year uh, and because I'm not as familiar with the uh, services the description of the services to some degree has been a little challenging for me to understand and appreciate what's really going on but I appreciate the questions that Ms. Trammell has presented, which, um, and your explanations as it relates to some of those changes and why we're seeing such a drastic increase. So, back to the foster care from 18 to 21, is this a state mandate now? Yes, ma'am. Okay, and when the state makes those mandates, are we seeing a difference? in the amount of funding that we are getting from the state as it relates to this?
2: So we will, with respect to what we requested, there is a state, um, we will get reimbursed for 84.5%
4: of that and they are providing that funding. You get reimbursed
2: for what? 84.5%.
4: Okay, so to make sure that I'm clear as to what I'm understanding in your budget, what amount are you asking for from the city versus how much are you getting from the state and which programs uh, state mandated uh, or in compliance with state requirements versus uh, extra services that may be provided that are not state mandated? So if you look
2: at the budget, um, and I can go to the service level or the programming code. We tried to capture um, that total amount in non-mandated local funding, and I'm trying to find what page that is on for you. While I'm looking for that, I can answer your other question um, to a certain degree about what's mandated and how much it is. and It really depends on the program. Um, I was just corrected. Fostering futures is 100% reimbursable. So whatever we spend on that is 100%. Um, the large majority of the state mandated services are 84. So let's f-
4: go back to the 100% re- reimbursable. You're asking for an additional $9 million because of Not the f- CSA. That's fostering futures is 100%
2: reimbursable. CSA... The original budget for that was 7.094. We're requesting an additional probably 1.94 million for CSA. to nine million, not an additional nine million.
4: And the reason for that increase is
2: we've noticed a change in the types of services that our youth are receiving. So while there is an increase, for example, in foster parent um, maintenance payments, it's because we have less kids in foster care homes, more kids in residential placements, more kids in um, treatment foster care, more kids in out-of-home congregate care type placements, and those are covered under CSA. And so we've noticed an increase not only of the type of placements, but the level of services that our youth... Are coming before us that they need and so that's where you're seeing the increase CSA tends to have a f- um, five-year upward trend and we're in that upward trend and the non-mandated um, local services is on page 169 I believe those that category captures all of our funding that's not reimbursable from the state and it's purely local only funding, and I believe it's a little over 800 it's by 818,000. On page okay. 169, you said
4: 169? No, 168.
0: Ms. Robertson, are you?
4: I'm sorry. You said, I was asking, she said that, I'm trying to get clarification on what you said last about. The non-mandated local only? Yes.
2: It's um, about a little over 118,000 proposed for this fiscal year, and it's how we've um, accounted to capture the non-reimbursable funding from the state. So that is purely local only funding.
4: Okay, so okay. for my clarification, um, Madam Chair, um, I'm I'm really looking for a clear way to identify what f- programs are uh, provided that are state mandated.
2: I can provide that list to you, um, and it, from the state, and I'd be happy to provide that budgets, after
4: you. with the budgets and the funding from the state as related yes. to those, and okay. what. Um, Percentage of the budget is provided by the city. And then, if there are services that are being provided by your department that are not required by the state, um, and how are they funded? Are they funded 100% by the city? Um, that differentiation w- would be very helpful to me yes, to ma'am. better understand um, how we are funding the different programs that are being offered. And have there been, um, as it relates to workforce, I noticed that there was um, a decrease in your budget as it relates to workforce. Is that because those funds were transferred to the Office of Community Walk Building? No, they reflected
2: salaries, and so they were probably transferred to another category to more accurately capture the work that the staff was doing. Um, And so if I can explain it a little bit, the state does random moment samplings for us. And so as part of that random moment sampling, they will look at the work that staff is doing. um, And then part of reimbursement and things like that are attached to what program they're working on. And so in order for us to um, clean up our accounting practices, you will find that some um, areas people have been put in more accurately reflect the work that they're doing.
4: Okay, so for clarification, whereas workforce mean one thing to me, uh, that you're actually assisting people in perhaps finding work or being employed? Um, It's part
2: of the VIEW program and the SNAP-ET program, um, and it's training case management, but primarily case management, and we do make a lot of our referrals to the Office of Community Wealth Building and their career centers. Um, the funding that they've received, and we supported them in this, was the grant that they received from the Virginia Department of Social Services supporting their work.
4: So the grant that they're receiving from the state, were those uh, TANF funds that were no. previously coming to, the, uh, to your department?
2: It was not. It was a whole new grant that the Virginia Department of Social Services put in place, and it did not divert any funding from Richmond Social Services at all.
4: Okay, good.
0: Mr. Robertson, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Mr. Agilesto?
5: And thank you, um, Ms. Giles, for for uh, your presentation. <clears throat> and uh, I had the pleasure of serving with you on the community policy management team for four years. Uh, you weren't on there for four years. I was on there <laughs> for four years. Um, but and I, I believe Mr. Addison is now serving in that capacity. If in the next. Reallocation of council appointments to boards and commissions. I would highly encourage everybody to take a two year stint serving on the CPMT because you will learn exactly what is driving this budget for the Child Services Act. Um, and so I'd, I would just encourage that. As it relates to um, the actions at the state, I think it is probably something that we would support, wanting to see the uh, age increase from 18 to 21 just as a safety net and as a transition uh, for for uh, the youth who are, are uh, needing to find more stability when they have not had stability. And I do understand the funding formula uh, coming from the state for reimbursement. Has there been any change in the funding formula in the last year, or is there any proposed change to the funding formula for the services as to what uh, is required as a mat- uh, the local match
2: for it depends on the program there 's not been a significant change um, other than for example, fostering futures is one hundred percent reimbursable. Um, I can get you those formulas. I would say that they may change by a fraction throughout the month, depending on who's doing the accounting at the state. But it's such a nominal rate that I think if you look across the board for social services, um, accounting for some areas that reimburse, for example, the H hospital based eligibility workers are reimbursed at 50%, but the hospital pays the other 50% of the salaries. Um, I think in the past that have been 75, 25, but it's really not made a difference for social services, because either way, that's not a, a full out-of-pocket expense for us. We still get the full coverage of those salaries. But I can provide you the state's most recent um, allocations as it pertains to all of our mandated services.
5: Great. Thank you for that. Um, also on this front, um, have you projected the uh, fiscal impact that a state budget that is approved with Medicaid expansion might have? on your department?
2: We're in conversations with the state right now. Even if that budget were passed, um, it most likely would not be implemented until the next fiscal year. And so they're still projecting what that would look like, but I don't have the actual projections right now because the state's still working through what that would look like.
5: Okay. Um, Well, as soon as you have that, I think the council would appreciate it because it would have um, a material impact, I believe, in, in what... Um, your budget might look like under the new uh, expanded Medicaid. The other um, item that you had mentioned that, that brings some concern to me is the turnover rate. Uh, you had mentioned that it's about 18 months and that we are currently uh, seeking to fill close to 70 positions um, and that we are <laughs> – it seems to me that we, we get them trained and then they're out um, um,
2: I would agree with you. We do get them trained and they're out. Um, I will say that that's a rate around the nation for the type of work that's done. Um, it's both disturbing and a compliment at this point for me because we get them trained, they do an excellent job, and then other localities in the state snatch them up. Um, so we're working, and then I have an aging workforce, and so I have some that are retiring as well, so we're going through that cycle. Um, but we are working diligently to fill them as quickly as they are exiting. And in the,
5: in the Gallagher study um, addresses your department. Um, it does. And I know that that a few years ago, um, there was a whole restructuring of the salary and compensation for uh, those in your division. Um, it was a singled-out division in order to try to address some um, salary compensation issues. What would you assume or not assume, but maybe you even have empirical data that would suggest the driving force behind that? Is it because of the type of cases or the caseload?
2: I think it's a combination of both. Um, It is the type of cases. It is the caseload. It's the intensity of the work if we're looking at type of cases. Um, And so you have multiple siblings, multiple family layers with layers and generational issues that staff is working through um, and so you compare that to perhaps other localities that are smaller perhaps rural um, or rural who don't have the same issues or needs or demographics of the city and so um, and have a much different budget so they can start at different salaries with a lower caseload. Um, I will say that the One of the pulls for the city of Richmond, and I think it has always been particularly for social services, um, is the caliber of training that you get. Um, It's why we are actually targeting those young folks who are coming straight out of college, because I think that we can really capitalize um, on the quality of training and work experience that they will get in the city of Richmond. Um, But I speak with my colleagues around the state, um, and we're all having the same challenges with respect to turnover, but it's the nature of the work that we're doing. Thank you. Thank you.
5: I'd appreciate if you could maybe articulate the top two or three reasons why we think we have such a high attrition that the council could consider. Um, and I, I would agree that the, the work that your department is doing, the fact that you all uh, initiated the first state conference on uh, adverse childhood effects and really looking at that trauma-informed care um, speaks to the the advancements that, that your department uh, tends to lead. Uh, the last question I have if I, just one last question. One last question, Mr. Abdullah. Absolutely. This is just another one of those. But um, I believe we we budgeted for the cold weather overflow shelter. Are we um, still in good standing with how much yes, funding we're supportive of homeless?
2: I think that we have sufficient funding for the cold weather overflow shelter. I believe it's about three hundred and eighty nine thousand that has been budgeted, um, or in the proposed budget for this year.
5: Okay, and I would appreciate a follow-up just with this proposal for North Abroad if social services is to be relocated, if the cold weather overflow shelter is to be relocated. I'd like to hear from the department where you think a new facility would be best suited for the the population that need to come to your offices. Thank you. Okay.
0: Thank you. Uh, one more. Okay. Look Before Ms. Trammell and Ms. Robertson, are there other council members who have not had an opportunity to ask a question who would like to? Then Ms. Robertson and then Ms. Trammell. Uh, one
4: is your personnel on page 166 uh, in the budget book, your personnel services and your operating costs, Roughly the same, which is a little bit unusual for what we see. Is there a reason why the operational cost is almost the same as the personnel services?
2: Outside of this, I think that it's almost been, if you look historically through. I think that that's just been the nature of the work for social services. Um, I think that there's probably been a bit of an increase because the state, certain services, for example, um, child care, is purely staff. Mm -hmm. Um, As we've implemented the state case management system, you will find that more of our work is purely that of staff. Um, It's more data entry. And so in less direct service provision, so I do think you will see that balance. But if you look at our budget, I think historically you will see that it's trended that way as well.
4: So, what kinds of, what kinds of items are covered in operation? Is this different from any other department? So, I, I'm just trying to appreciate why operational would be higher. Is that does that include It includes, includes staff costs as well.
2: Depending on how you capture it, yes, it does. Um, but there's some direct services, so the foster care services that you will find um, that we pay upfront for kids, foster parent payments, um, direct services. So those would be higher for the number of so mentoring, counseling, all those things are direct
0: upfront payments. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Trammell.
3: Thank you, Madam President. I have one question on page um, 163. You might have already answered this. But I'm asking, um, why do you need $500,000 more next year for the adoption program?
2: So for the adoption program, you will probably see a decrease in one adoption program and an increase in another. Um, simply because the type of adoption services we're finding that our kids are eligible for. They've gone from special needs adoptions to special needs Title IV-E they're eligible for. So you'll find a decrease in one area and an increase in another. Um, And some of it may relate to we have more kids that are adopted that are receiving services. Can
3: you give me some more information on that? Also, I'd like to know how many children are adopted and the ages, like in an age group. I'd like to have that information, too.
2: For last fiscal year? Ma'am. For last fiscal year, how many were adopted? Mm -hmm. I believe it's 20, but I don't have the ages, but I can get the age range for you. Only 20? We are not an adoption agency. Our goal is to reunite kids with their families. Um, And so adoption really is a last resort.
3: Yeah, I I definitely want some more information on that. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the present. Ms.
6: Gray?
7: Uh, last year you did cut the amount of um, assistance to families for burial services. Was that depleted in this year's budget? No, it wasn't. It remains the same as last year. I mean, was the fund depleted with request? Or did the request exceed the amount that was budgeted?
2: No, not, No. So last year um, it was budgeted at 48.5. We have not yet exceeded it because we have decreased um, how much folks are getting. Um,
7: So the so the overall payment to families has decreased. Yes, ma'am. From what to what?
2: Um, It varied when we looked at it from family to family. Um, Some received. I believe exceeded burial services into funeral assistance. Um, And so some are upwards of 3,000 per person. We are more in line with the other two localities in the state who provide burial assistance and they do it at $250 a person. um, As does the Social Security Administration, Richmond does 500 per person until that budget is depleted and we're not yet depleted. And we have the same proposed amount in this current budget cycle.
7: So the prior budget year, what was the allocation for families who made a request?
2: I think part of our challenge in the prior budget year was how it was captured, and it was captured in just a general relief category along with other things. I can't tell you how much was budgeted outside of a general category. I can tell you that we spent well over $300,000
7: and it's down to 48,000? It is. So with all of the young people, and I think about young people being murdered, but other other elderly people who die without any kind of um, life insurance or assist, how are they being taken care of? How are the families funeralizing? And I can only tell you that we, to the extent that there are, applying
2: for services. We offer them to the extent that they can seek support outside of social services with family members and some do GoFundMe. Um, We are encouraging the advocates to work with them to really help people look at end of life planning.
7: But for young people who are being murdered or unexpected.
2: Well, I think that there's separate funding available um, through victim With workers' this. conversations, through some state funding for victims of crime, for burial as- assistance and things like that. So there are other pools of funding that are available for depending um, upon how they I expire. may not get all
7: just asking, but I would like a follow-up on some more detailed information on what types of requests we've gotten over the past couple of years and what um, we have assisted families with. Okay. So that's do you something mean, you'd
0: like to get the information back on? Yes. Yeah.
7: And let me be clear do
2: you mean how many people have requested burial assistance? Because I much, can give you that.
7: And how much they've gotten?
2: I can give you how much we've spent per year. I can tell you for accounting purposes, I may not be able to go into those details because it's not always been captured. I can tell you that we're capturing it now, but it's not always been captured in that manner.
7: And I I guess we need to figure that out offline because I'm not understanding how a family could get an allotment and we don't capture the amount.
2: I'm happy to speak with you about that offline.
0: Okay, so I think what's being asked is to have a report back with the specificity relative to the numbers, the amount per family, uh, the total, et cetera, and not, clearly not in this moment, but as you uh, get back and have opportunities. So. Ms. Trammell, are you going to be our last question? How much did you say we have left? I didn't. The last um, report
2: I received was a little over 20000 was left. And I believe that was the end of January, beginning of February.
0: Okay. Okay. With that, I, I just want to—I um, was not clear with the foster care housing, eighteen to twenty-one. Was that competitive? It was
2: selective. Um, we fe- we did not apply for it; we were selected.
0: Okay. I just up, want, want yeah. to commend you, us. This has been a big gap, and so to have funding for 18 to 21, 100%, is really a major accomplishment for youth who age out and then nothing. So just wanted to commend you with that. Thank Uh, you very much. I think we
2: all at 18 thought we knew it was all about 18 and six months. We realized we needed our parents, and so it's nice when they hit that moment to be able to say, yes, we can continue. You can come back, and we can continue to work
0: with you. Thank you. With that... uh, We thank you for the presentation and then the additional information you'll get back to us, uh, back to staff. Thank you so much. Thank you. The next presentation will be the Office of Community Wealth Building. Mr. Gordon and company.
8: Good morning, Reggie Gordon, Director of the Office of Community Wealth Building. Good morning. Morning. Welcome. Vice Chair and members of council. Um, I feel it was really uh, appropriate that we follow Shonda Giles because there are so many complex issues that our citizens deal with. Uh, We support the mayor's budget as presented for the Office of Community Wealth Building. It allows us to stay on track with the execution of the comprehensive system regarding how we re-engineer poverty mitigation in Richmond, as well as it preserves the funding that we need in order to leverage significant financial support from the Commonwealth of Virginia through the required match from the city. As you all know, we're in a crisis. Thousands of our citizens are unable to move higher up the economic ladder to financial freedom because the systems that we've had for decades have been prohibitive for them. So our office is in a unique leadership position. We are bringing together agencies, nonprofits, ministries, organizing this effort to find pathways to self-sufficiency for our neighbors. So we have a strategic function that we perform, and so far, so good. We're hearing our terminology coming back to us, and our strategy is referenced by providers and funders. And just in case you haven't seen the RVA snapshot, we have copies here Um, on page 11 in the RVA snapshot, you'll see that they've incorporated the uh, framework that we use in the Office of Community Wealth Building, so we're actually having a regional impact. So with that external role, um, those of us in our team are working to bring together partners to make sure that we um, realign ourselves and move forward. But day in, day out, the internal role is represented by our career stations, and I have Valerie Mitchell up here who is our workforce administra- administrator. Here's a typical example of what happens on any given day. And actually, I'll pause now. I know you've received your annual report, but I have other copies here for council members with the tab next to the section that applies to every, the work life of the Office of Community Wealth Building. And it also describes in more detail the programs and services that we offer, as well as a pie chart that has the zip codes from the people who walk in the door in case you like that as well. So on on any given day, we'll have someone that walks in. And this happened last week. I walked into the office, and a gentleman who didn't know who I was, but because I had on a suit, I guess he thought I was an official person from the city. And he says, I don't usually do this, um, but i got to tell you what this place means to me. I was locked up for 18 years. When I got out, I could not find help. I walked in these doors and was greeted with a smile. I'm taking your classes, I feel respected, I'm going to make it thanks to you. We do not turn any citizens away, no matter how many times they fail. He is why we exist, he is why we do this work, and he is why I'm standing here before you right now. Also in the information you received earlier, see the ladder. That was created with input from the Citizens Advisory um, Board and our Chair, co-chair is here and Ellen Robertson. That was to give a depiction of how people are trapped on those bottom two rungs. What we have discovered is the service provider community, although we are Legion, you know, ministries, nonprofits, agencies, quite honestly, after examining this, most of us are focusing on the people who are probably safe. What's unique about this office, thanks to the support from the city and leverage resources from the state, we need to focus on the thousands who are at risk or in crisis. So those are the folks that for years have not been able to move forward because our system was fractured with regard to their needs. If you look on page 16 in the annual report, you'll see the facts and figures about the number of people who rely on our services. You'll see the names of the companies and partners that we work with. We, um, we also have included um, more descriptions about the actual program so that if people ask you what happens with the office of kidney wealth building you have that available for you so our proposed budget as it stands leverages the support to accommodate the expansion of our work with the grant from the commonwealth so that grant provides for the expanded staff most importantly training for people We've been able to expand our reach and ours. We have now Marshall Street, the Conrad Center, and Southside Community Center. It allows our staff to be more mobile. We also are working with the, um, being more intentional about our social enterprise work. We look at social enterprise as research and development because there are some people, because of their barriers, who are not going to be able to apply for jobs because they won't be hired. So we need to make sure that we have ways for them to create their own path through jobs. And the budget clarifies that there needs to be money to support the operation of the Conrad Center. In the past, we would used money from the training budget to fund the, oper- the maintenance of the Conrad Center. And finally, this is interdisciplinary. As Shonda mentioned, we, we serve the similar people. Uh, we now uh, are encouraged by the fact that we have interdisciplinary teams. With the, um, within City Hall because we need to make sure that we're leveraging city resources in the best way we can. And with that, I'll pause and answer any questions.
0: Council members, are there any questions at this juncture? Ms. Larson.
9: Thank you for your yes. presentation. Um, do you have any way to measure folks after... They've been hired and they've left your office?
8: Yes. We, we follow people for up to two years after they leave because the, the population that we serve, we have found that has been the gap in the system. People get a job, and we think that's the completion of their journey. But if there are any challenges on that job or there are other related uh, barriers that come up, then we try to be there as a support to make sure that they keep moving forward. So, yes, we do that.
9: So do you have any data in here on that? I was looking where you pointed us on page um, 16,
8: I think. Page 16 and the on-sewing pages. That's the beginning.
9: Where um, you were saying 155 people were hired. So do you have any, I mean, are there any folks that have reached two-year mark yet? Or, I, I mean, I guess you've Pram- been in existence three years? Right, or- right.
8: So we have the BLIS program which is tracking uh, about 20 families, and they've done that for about two years now. So part of this, well, this is emergent work because we're noticing people might get two steps forward and one step back. Even the, the folks who have in the intensive case management, uh, if they lose a job or have trouble with paying their mortgage we need to make sure that we're aware of how they're processing these life challenges so they don't put their jobs in jeopardy we can you know say that there's certain people who are surpassed our system or who no longer need us but that number is um, not that large right now but that's why this is difficult because we're talking 40,000 people in richmond who probably need life coaching for several years so right. i think our role in, with the office of community wealth building is to leverage other partners in our system so that we can exponentially change the way as a community, we address the needs as opposed to letting people drop and fall back to the beginning over and over again, which has happened for decades.
9: And I wonder if two years is really even long enough. I don't know if there's any flexibility, but I mean, if somebody goes through the two years and at two years and two months has a crisis, then they're back right. on your data rolls as a new participant and we haven't taken the long vision of you know yes. what's going on with we, that person or that family. Or,
8: we have had that discussion quite a bit around our um, table. And what, how, I, how we hope this evolves is that as we bring other partners closer who have the capacity to be a life coach or help people move forward, even volunteers, that would be a more prudent use of community resources than to have people who are being paid by the city or other you know, receiving government funds to keep managing a family for five, 10 years. So I think we'd have to have a warm handoff with, as a practice, after two-plus years, because you're right, sometimes it takes much longer than two years for someone to become stable.
9: And I think it would help. I, I, I agree with you yeah. mm-hmm. in terms of you know, t- where tax dollars are being invested and spent, because it is a big investment, right. and it's not mm-hmm. cheap. But I think it would help us, as we're doing this work, and investi- in investing money and evaluating the program on an annual basis. Right.
8: Yeah, I agree. Thanks. Thanks. Mm-hmm.
9: Other questions,
8: Ms. Um
3: I'm trying to find, I think i messed my note up, but anyway. Is it, are you saying that you need $2 million for a connector? Like, to um, be in a connector between the ideas for transforming communities that are created by the people? I'm on page
0: one fifty. that's what I'm talking about? Which page, Mr. Dramel? One fifty? Okay. Mr. Gordon.
3: <laughs> the two million dollars is a grant money that you got?
8: Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yes, from the commonwealth of Virginia, 1.9, yes.
3: Okay, so we're going to take that. I still got it. I'll tell you what give me about a couple of minutes because okay, right. I want to make sure I got this right okay. but there was another question I want to ask you because we're talking about people I guess um, people with the you know like the poorest of the poor okay. and mm-hmm. we want to get them jobs and get them like better education and things like that yes. and yes. you got a percentage like 30% no by 40% by 2030 I think Valerie right. will
10: respond. And um, I'm not sure if this will answer your question, Councilwoman Trammell, but the $1.9 million is to serve individuals do- directly. One um, portion of that is being a connector, but a lot of that is career advising, career coaching, assisting with um, assessments, developing career plans as well as paying for training, paying for supportive services. The connector piece comes into those services that the grant or the city um, general funds cannot cover. And so there are some items like the state will pay for mental health counseling. Um, we may connect We may connect to others for that piece. There are other programs that um, we work with individuals with disabilities, but there are other programs in the state and in the city that do a lot around it. They've trained in it. They're the experts in it, so we connect to those services. But the bulk of that funding is for direct service provision. And connector is just one piece of that. For instance, um, Ms. Giles mentioned homeless services. We would connect to those services. We're not the homeless service provider in the city of Richmond. and We do have a lot of people who come in who are homeless and who have um, issues with housing and, and uh, things like paying rent, for have you. So... That's where the connector piece comes in, but the bulk of the funding is directly serving individuals, wrapping around them, providing training as well as supportive services and coaching and career advising. And to Councilwoman Larson's um, point also following those individuals and coaching because we do have a lot of people who come in who have not been able to hold a job or who have been unemployed for long periods of time and who come with a lot of barriers they walk into the doors they want the services they want to get to a new place in their lives but but they need that coaching that you that you need to learn how to keep a job and figure out what those um barriers are and knock those barriers out and so we're doing a lot of that and the connecting is a one small piece of what we're doing there
3: and then you said the state gives you money on this, too? Has the
10: state? That's the state it? grant that we received this year, this past year. And, and how much? That's $1.9 And that's from the state? Yes. It's a VDSS, Virginia Department of Social Services state grant. I think it's listed in there as a, a special fund grant. Okay.
3: I'd like to have some more information on this, too, please. Yes. okay. Yes. All right, yes, thank ma'am. you. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Mr. Agilesto?
5: Thank you very much um, for the the presentation and information. Uh, just a quick question and i'm it may be following up on some of the analytics that uh, my colleague Ms Larson asked but <clears throat> this TANF grant is to support six hundred and fifty um, individuals, and that 's one point nine million dollars and that 's an annual number the yes. six six fifty and so then, in FY twenty, when we get the funds again, that's a, an additional six hundred and fifty. Yes. Unique individuals. Yes. Okay. Um, and then when we look at the general fund uh, appropriations, so two years ago, I think it was a total of, or two fiscal years, it was one point uh, seven million. This last fiscal year was. You can correct me if I'm wrong I think it's just over two million so how many did we serve in those years with
8: with the funds that we had yes, I have that information so in F y seventeen we served uh, two hundred and ninety two people that were enrolled and two twenty eight of those we considered employed, moving up the ladder towards self-sufficiency. FY18, to date, 391 uh, currently enrolled and 163 have been employed so far.
5: Okay. So you feel that the, the TANF grant plus the general fund, which is now, I think, bringing your department budget up to close to $4 million, right. mm-hmm. um, then then we, we should be seeing... Service provided to what 1200 unique individuals every year Uh, is that is that kind of the number
8: that we're that's that's kind of the number, but uh, as Valerie Mitchell said, Sean DeJal said, some of these uh the case managers have a case of around 50 or so, right? So each year with the grant from the Commonwealth, we are you know now we're able to expand the number of employment specialists because there's a lot of work that's involved with folks who. Might take more than two years to progress up that ladder but but the catchment is is, is you 're actually co- close to correct because there 's attrition as well. there are some people that despite our efforts to help them move forward, they drop out. so our work is sort of um, a constant moving um, target because we have people who are signing up and enrolled, but then they back away
5: okay um, and and again, this is a question that I asked Ms Giles with the state budget and Medicaid expansion. I've read that there's a, uh, an add-on provision that has come out that they're seeking a, I don't know if it's a work requirement or something, to to be tied to right. that Medicaid expansion. I would assume that then falls to your department to implement help with the workforce development component. Is is that your understanding?
8: You know, since we have uh, our, the work that we do is encouraging people to find uh, economic stability through work. It, is, it does not. It sort of aligns quite in essence with how we approach success. There's Many people who are quote unquote in poverty are already already working one or two jobs. So the the emphasis that we would want to make clear to the broader community, even folks who are analyzing the work uh, work requirement for Medicaid expansion, is people are already doing it. And so if we can help people to make higher wages, that's the, that's the focus, that should be the focus, as opposed to um, really addressing a non-issue about are people willing and ready to work to move forward. Mm-hmm. With hundreds of people, as you see, voluntarily coming toward us, we know that there are thousands and thousands of Richmonders who want to work.
5: Right. Okay. Thank I, you. I appreciate that. One, one last question, if I may. Um, so I saw that workforce development funding for that program is essentially going down slightly, um, and there's a big bump in the social enterprise funding. Can you just tell us what the additional social enterprise funding is going to be used for?
8: Right. The 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 social enterprise funding, actually part of that is uh, the maintenance of the building, the Conrad Center. We've Now that we have uh, career stations at Marshall Street, Conrad Center, and on Southside, uh, we, there are some, uh, ex- there are some uh, maintenance requirements we need to stay on top of. In the past, there was no money in the budget for lights and water and utilities at the Conrad Center, so we're actually taking money from training to, to do that. So we've clarified, the, well, this, this budget clarifies that, and with more activity in the Conrad Center, part of that 70000 will pay for um, security, and then, the, and then the bulk of it is just the maintenance. So there's no, the, the programs in the Conrad Center are the same as the programs at Marshall Street as well as uh, in, on Southside.
5: So there's no additional programming plan? No. It's It's more or less the maintenance of a building that came through the CIP program? Yes. Great. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Ms. Gray and then Mr. Jones.
7: I just have a question about the Conrad Center um, because originally it was open to serve as a place for congregate meals, hot meals for um, disadvantaged individuals within the city. And over a year ago before I was even um, sworn in, we asked about that reopening for the weekend feeding times where there are gaps. Um, That hasn't happened. I'm still dealing with All of the um, providers coming to Abner Clay Park on the weekends, Um, the park is being trashed. So I'm wondering, are there any possibilities of opening up the Comrade Center for a hot meal, a bathroom, access to a bathroom, which we don't have? It's basically happening in our backyards and um, beside buildings. Um, Is that a possibility?
8: The way... We have thank you for the question the way we have uh, used the Conrad Center, particularly now that we've expanded our workforce capacity. We have about seven uh, people who are using it as their base. We have job trainings that take place there. we have people coming in looking for employment as well as job fairs uh, so it's a matter of scheduling uh, i mean there the building is used during the day as well as there's some events that happen in the evening. So that's, that's how we've approached the use of the Conrad Center. It's a city asset, so I would defer to uh, a conversation with other colleagues in the city to see whether that would be plausible, realizing that that's how it's functioning right now through the Office of Community Wealth Build. Okay.
0: That, that's a conversation that's obviously going to require more uh, deliberation here because the budget does not include that at this point and some decisioning about whether or not that could be the case and what it would take would need to be uh, opined. So
7: yeah and I don't know that we aren't already spending the funds. I can't could you we're we're spending funds cleaning up the park every weekend and we're, oh, sp- no, we're I wasn't. spending funds mm-hmm. on other things. And um, I just think that To provide a space that offers a place to wash your hands and use the bathroom and um, not get paper bagged or styrofoam meals in the park is more dignified to individuals who are in need of of a healthy meal. So I'm hopeful that we can find some solution, if not the Conroad Center, somewhere.
0: So, Mr. Gordon, you hear the the question not to be responsive in this moment, but to take that back and with the administration maybe have a discussion about what uh, opportunities there might be uh, as been laid out. Um, Councilman Jones?
11: Thank you, Madam Vice. Just just a couple questions along with... um, Just just a statement. One, I I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing, Southside Community Center. uh, It's kind of, it's awesome to go in and see uh, uh, people in classes, people uh, taking advantage of the resources. Um, How do we continue to get the word out uh, that there are satellites around the city um, to ensure that it's not just one or two people that are in a class, but, uh, you know, we're, we're maximizing. Um, those individuals, you know, the headcount, the FTEs that are in there, but it's costing us the same amount to to uh, train one or two people as it would, you know, ten to fifteen. How do we go about uh, getting the word out to build those numbers so people can take advantage of those resources? <laughs>
8: We have listing sessions every Friday, and what we have learned is the best way to get the word out is to have the people who've experienced it as our pie pipers, if you will. And so through the Citizens Advisory Board and through our ambassadors, I know for a fact that they are saying, it's worked for me. Please come toward our career stations. They've expanded, you know, downtown, East End, South Side. And, and so that's that's the... I think the best way, because we need to make sure we maintain the credibility. We can do all of the brochures and I can make speeches, but the best way to attract people to us by the hundreds is to have increased the number of people who have have had a positive experience and can demonstrate uh, life-changing circumstances as a result of our work. And fortunately with this grant, we're able to have unconventional hours I think there's been a challenge with the system trying to fit everybody in from an 8 to 5 timetable, just like at Southside, you know, with the basketball games that are taking place in the evening. We have our staff there at 7 p.m. or so just to to do that um, workforce introduction, and we, we hope that becomes part of what we're known for as a city with regard to accessibility.
11: And I think that's positive. You guys are partnering with the scheduling within uh, uh, the community center or a particular venue right. uh, to maximize those hours right. because I, I think that's I think that's just wisdom. Uh, can I get a breakdown on um, our youth that are involved in the Mayor's Youth Academy and where they uh, uh, come from within the city? And that's something that you can just uh, provide send to council staff. That sure, would be great. sure. Um, and then la- last question: What system is in place? Uh, To support a long term continuum of care for a citizen that includes uh, external care coordination with outside service providers like RBHA, medical providers,
8: or employers. So, what system is in place? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, You know, we have this collaborative data management initiative that is actually a part of human services that is critical for that. I think up until this point, we've probably been operating in our respective silos, which has not been as effective or efficient right. for the people that we serve. Right. So as these months and years go by, I think we will all see a more efficiency with regard to how we manage some of the same clients, whether in RBHA, Office of Community Wealth Building, Department of Social Services. I'm sure there are some legal parameters that might preclude some of the information sharing, but at least as we sit around the table together, we need to um, begin to track that.
11: Right, and, and because the one thing you know, I, I want to make sure that an individual that um, chooses to engage the process in the system uh, finds ease in doing it and not getting frustrated right. throughout the process, and thereby dropping out or falling through the cracks. Um, because again, they, you know, people are in a vulnerable, you know, right. vulnerable state to, to, to reach out and ask for help and to, you know, put their lives and their business. Uh, in the streets, if you will, Um, and then not to feel as if um, they are being handled correctly or their needs taken into account or if they're uh, just being dismissed or they feel dismissive. And again, a lot of times you can't manage people's feelings because perception is their individual reality. But I just want to make sure that we're doing everything on our end to eliminate the silos, to work with other agencies to ensure that, Uh, the people we're trying to serve, um, you know, are being built up in the process. All right. So, thank you.
0: Ms. Robertson.
4: Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Gordon, uh, for your services, um, the work that is being done to address a tremendous need in the city. A couple questions um, and some recommendations as well. Um, I think that it would be important for us to uh, look at the appropriation in the budget for social enterprise that deals more with maintenance of buildings and those kind of things that we categorize that a little bit differently so that it is not um, social enterprise and what we expect from social enterprise as it relates to the continual opportunities for business development and engagement um, so that that would be clear. I think that would be helpful in the process and, and recognize the need that we do need to put in this budget the cost that is associated with the different centers that we have. I think also it's important that we perhaps consider the name of the Conrad building. The Conrad building has a has been previously used as a center for feedings for homeless families. And I think that we have departments and service providers that are addressing homelessness, and we need to make sure that we are coordinating those services with those service providers and and taking care of that because certainly a lot of our clientele are homeless. But the use of the Conrad Center, as long as we continue to use the name Conrad, it carries with it the um previous use and services that is not currently the use and services. Um, however, I do feel that we have a tremendous resource uh, within that building that maybe we can call the East End Workforce Center. Um, so that people will make that identification as to what really is going on in that building. And for the purpose of looking at the there was a, a item in the budget where you actually provided for business development. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could give me a little bit more insight on what that is, because I I see the Conrad Center and always have seen the Conrad Center or the East End Workforce Center right. um, as a place where we could actually do a lot more. What I traditionally think of. When I say social enterprise, the opportunities for us building those kinds of
12: opportunities.
8: Thank you. The business development aspect of our work is to make sure that as we are preparing people uh, to getting them trained for jobs that pay a higher wage, we necessarily have to have enough employers out there who share our mindset about how we build wealth, and that they are receptive to hiring individuals who we hope have overcome most of their barriers, but maybe they have not. So now with the grant, we are able to have three business development professionals who are helping us to uh, expand our um, network of businesses. Meanwhile, yes, the uh, employment, um, I'm sorry, the social enterprise work is to try to build collaborations with um, people who are proprietors people who are entrepreneurs who are willing to come into that space and work with individuals that we find who have the aptitude or the interest or the hunger yeah. to sort of chart their own path uh, in business so that that happens during the day it happens in courses in the evening we partner with um, minority business you know just to Try to expand that. So day in, day out, the, the energy in the building does relate to not only bringing businesses toward us, but helping people to think of new ways to create their own businesses. Okay. Oh, Valerie has something to add. <laughs> okay.
10: Yes, and, and Councilwoman Robertson, specifically, business development is a cost for work experience. And so what a work experience is, is we can fund... Um, subsidized employment for we usually do up to three months on a work site Mm -hmm. it has led to a lot of people getting hired a lot of the businesses that we work with have actually gone on although we paid the wage the first three months Mm -hmm. they've gone on to hire people but the really great benefit for participants is for someone who is not used to going to work they get that um that relationship and that relationship is networking it's on the job saying to the individual okay, you can't be five minutes late. You were five minutes late two times in a row, but you're not going to be fired. Know that this is what we do. This is how to be professional. This is the way that you dress. They learn how to carry on, on a work envir- in a work environment, which is a huge piece. If you hear a lot of businesses say now um, soft skills and if people are the correct fit, it helps to train people on how to be a great fit for the work site. So that's that's the purpose of it, but what we've gained from it in the past is that a lot of the businesses go on to hire people because as they as people Grow and they're great workers, they get to know them and they say, Well, we'll go ahead and hire you. So, we like to work with um, private businesses as much as we can, but we do some public, but we've just had tremendous results with it. Our state grant does not fund work experience, so this is why we added this cost into the general fund so that we could also provide this service and this benefit.
4: Are we getting any of those kind of funds from the regional? we are as well.
10: Yes, okay. we are partnering with the Regional Workforce Board okay. and referring people for work experience and, and OJTs there as well. Okay, good,
4: we are. Good, good, good.
3: Ms. Trammell. Thank you. Thank you. Reggie, um, do we have any programs at the Hickory Hill Community Center? I mean like have I know that you've come to our meetings and I know you've right. given us a lot of great information. Yes. But I mean I was just wondering if there's any programs there or like something that we could get because there's a lot of youth in that area, yes. like Collinwood, Cherry Gardens, all in that area.
8: We we can do that, yes. You we, can we, help me with that? Yes, no question.
3: Okay.
0: Okay. So
8: you'll follow up with Ms. Trammell on that. Mm-hmm. Thank
3: but do you, you have my number? Yes. 240 mm-hmm. 5050.
0: Yeah, 240-5050. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um Just want to say thank you for work extraordinarily well done. Your leadership in really creating that uh, coordinated, integrated array of services that support uh, our families and individuals moving to self-sufficiency throughout our city and throughout the entire city, not just sector. So just really want to say thank you. Any follow-up items, please, uh, you can get those back to... Uh, our staff, and then with the last item, you'll follow up with Councilwoman Trammell. So right. thank you very much.
8: Thank you all very much. Okay.
0: <clears throat> the next presentation will be the Richmond Public Libraries.
13: Good morning, Scott Firestein, director of Richmond Public Library. Good morning, welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to come and speak to you all about our budget and our, uh, our library. Um, I'd like to begin by detailing some of our accomplishments. Um, last year, we, were, we reopened our West End Branch Library, and that had added space. Um, the project completed phase one of the 2009 facilities master plan. Uh, the neighborhood and branch libraries and, R- and Richmond Public Libraries were all renovated and updated to better serve the community. This is a significant accomplishment that took nine years to complete. Um, and so we're ready for phase two. And to kick off phase two, our Richmond Public Library Foundation was able to raise $206,000 to um, add a young adult space, a maker space, and a digital media space at the main library. Those funds uh, were part of a challenge grant from the Mary Morton Parsons Foundation that our Richmond Public Library Foundation was able to match. Um, so those funds can be used to help um, develop this phase two master plan and also uh, integrate uh, modern learning spaces into our libraries because libraries have grown much more than books. Uh, we are places where learning and literacy happen. and um, we have an amazing opportunity at the main library uh, with all of the redevelopment and um, growth in the city's downtown to make it a destination for learning, a focal point. Um, another key accomplishment was uh, last year uh, we, we, we'd done a 2016 communications plan, and we want to better let, let the community know what uh, the library does. So uh, we created a mascot um, and his name is Ripple the River Otter. Uh, we wanted an we wanted something that would be uh, entertaining and emblematic of our city, but also attract young liter- young readers to come and enjoy a story time and meet meet this uh, very amazing mascot. It was underwritten by our our library foundation. Um, you will see him at our uh, National Library Week, which will be celebrated the second week of April, in which we will um, highlight all of the amazing things that we do to uh, educate and inform. I want to talk about our Westover Hills branch. Uh, We completed another phase of a rain garden. The rain garden is a project that was started about five years ago, and it was one to not only beautify the branch, but also be an interpretation piece to educate citizens on um, uh, stormwater reduction. It is, uh, the James is such an important part of our city that uh, making sure it stays clean and uh, vital is, is critical. So uh, we are hopeful that in the future we'll be able to expand that um, interpretive piece to all of our other branch libraries to better educate the community on how to support the environment. Um, one of our biggest uh, accomplishments last year was our website. Um, RichmondPublicLibrary.org and RVALibrary.org are effectively our 10th library. Um, it is our location. It's open 24-7, 365. Um, you can now access library resources without ever stepping foot into a library. Um, there are journals, magazines, newspapers, video streaming, and reference information that 's available. Um, we have uh, courses Universal class is a course that you can take online to, if you are interested in developing further skills on any sort of computer programming or things like that. so um, our users we, we, we quickly realize that our users need information whenever and wherever they are, and they now can do that through that website. Um, It is mobile compatible, um, and we are launching an electronic card. Um, That will begin, uh, it it has had a soft beginning, but we're going to make more of it during National Library Week. So um, I've often heard that patrons say to me, Scott, you know, hey, I love your library. You have some great resources, but I just can't get in there to get a library card. Now they may go to our website and register for an electronic library card that will allow them instant access to eBooks, magazines, newspapers, streaming, all through our website. And then when they do visit a physical location, we'll convert that electronic card into a real library card. So um, what's really even fabulous about that is if a student can't get, their parent can't get them to the library to bring their ID and get them set up, they can go online and get a library card and start downloading um, electronic information right away. Um, let me detail some of our impact last year. Uh, last year, we circulated 626,000 items. Those are books, ebooks, and streams. Um, we had 791,000 library visits to our nine locations. Um, to me, that's significant. Um, our computer usage, so that includes uh, people coming in and using workstations for uh, research, uh, exploration, or job searching. We had 238,000 usages of our workstations and our Wi-Fi. Um, Overall, we had 4,100 programs, and that uh, attracted 69,000 visitors. That's story time. That's an author visit. That's a uh, a jobs program. So those are uh, some of our statistics. Um, Going forward, um, and this budget supports our efforts to go forward in our strategic plan, uh, we wish to restore um, access to our public libraries. By 2021, um, we wish to have all of our libraries open 60 hours a week. And, and expand Sunday hours. Uh, we, this budget last year helped us maintain our Sunday hours and helped us um, ex- start to begin to expand our hours. Um, we wish to complete procurement of a new integrated library system. Our integrated library system is our online catalog. That is where people go to look for books, Um, and it also is what we use to check books out. Um, It's about 15 years old. We we are going to integrate that, and that will improve not only the discovery layer for our patrons but also the workflows for our staff, so we'll be able to more efficiently and effectively maintain our collections and distribute our collections. Um, We wish to begin Phase 2 of that 2009 Facilities Master Plan. Um, That identified the main library. We've taken steps with that on the... um, Fundraising, and we wish to uh, really design a, a destination and improve the 1932 and 1972 library that's uh, quite a large space, um, has lots of resources, and we want to um, make it more welcoming and adaptable and modernize it for our, our community. Um, we are, the budget last year restored our acquisition levels for circulating reference and electronic books to 2015 levels. We would like to continue that because patrons want the book when they want it. Um, they don't want to be told they have to wait. Or they want to be able to download it, you know, right away. And um, having those materials and the numbers that they wish is really important. Oh, we want to strengthen and, ex- and expand our programs that address literacy, homework help, and learning opportunities for our students. Uh, we are uh, enthusiastic and optimistic uh, with uh, a new superintendent and the direction the school system is going that we can support them better. Um, you know, reading is fundamental, but the inspired reader is monumental. Um, Children can read, but learning, wanting to read is more important. So things like the summer reading program, the story times. Um, We have after-school tutoring. We've uh, partnered with Literacy Lab and... It is one of those steps, homework help is one of those things where a lot of our students who may have a disrupted education and don't have access to tutoring can now do that in our libraries. So we have lots of resources and we want to continue those homework resources going forward to support our students. Um, So these are just a few of our action items to support youth literacy and learning in the city of Richmond. Um, On behalf of my library board staff and myself, um, I thank you, I thank the mayor, um, and I thank the administration for supporting us and enabling us uh, to impact education and literacy in the city of Richmond. Um, with that, I'm happy to uh, answer any questions and uh, provide you any other information you wish to know.
0: Ms. Larson.
13: Yes, ma'am.
9: Thank you for the update. Um, when is National Library
13: Week? Um, it's April 9th through 14th. It's the second week of April. Okay. Um, right now we're doing a survey and uh, we're, we're getting feedback from our patrons. We're hoping to uh, prepare an infographic that kind of details, you know, what our patrons are loving, what they'd like to see more from us, and, you know, what they would like in terms of library hours. So um, we're excited about that. It's a survey month, and I think many of you have promoted it on your uh, social media and put it out to your, pa- your constituents.
9: I know that there's been a lot of really unique events going on at Westover Hill, so I'm excited about that, and have gotten a lot of positive feedback from the neighbors.
13: Yep, that, uh, like all of our branch libraries in the city of Richmond, uh, the communities around them, I, I really believe, love their libraries. And um, again, the, the staff in those libraries and the way that our, our, our branch managers curate their collections and curate their programs to um, kind of match wavelength of, that, of their, their surroundings um, is, is remarkable, and it's one of the things that I think is uh, particularly strong in, in, in Richmond Public Library.
9: Um, And just one more question. The tutoring program you talked about, Mm -hmm. what libraries is that at? And is it a free service for RPS students?
13: So it started last year at the beginning of the school year. Literacy Lab is a partnership, I believe, that uh, Richmond Public Schools is working with. And they have um, AmeriCorps workers who do homework help, and they have a curriculum that they use. Um, We've made it available at the main library and at the North Avenue library um, and at other branches where we can... Um, provide the space and they can provide the tutors so i am hopeful in the future that we can do more of that because it's you know it's just really critical um, uh, people who don't have the capacity to hire a tutor to teach their child geometry or improve their reading um, now have that and i want to grow that even more
9: okay. thank you okay Ms great So my
7: question, again, I'm downtown, and um, the downtown library sees a lot of the same kinds of things we're seeing in the community. And um, it's not uncommon to public spaces for um, the homeless populations to be, um, especially when it's cold outside. Cold or uh, warm. Cold
13: or warm. Or rainy. um, Yep.
7: To to get some relief from the outdoors. And... um, and to utilize the bathrooms and et cetera. Um, I know I was at the library, I mean, the airport commission meeting, and they're experiencing some of the same challenges with homeless populations trying to um, bathe in the bathrooms and things. And as a mom coming to the library with a 10 year old son, it's very scary to send him to the bathroom alone when all these activities are happening. What are we doing? And I know other localities and I've asked this before have dispatched social workers um, into the library system and um, they have permanent workers assigned so they get to know the individuals and and can assist them with their needs and perhaps help them um, become more self-sufficient. But um, what are we doing in all of our libraries, but especially within the main library downtown?
13: Right. Um, so we have a lot of patrons without addresses. Um, and we do our best as a public library to support all of our patrons and provide a fair and equal level of service across the board. Um, our patrons without addresses, homeless, um, are some of our most challenged. And um, this is a common problem in urban libraries. Um, and urban li- and libraries take different tactics to address it. Um, in the past, we were very restrictive and had... Uh, very strong policies. You know, you couldn't bring in this size bag. You couldn't bring in your belongings. Um, and I don't know if that was very effective because we continue to have the problem. So recently what we've done is we've adjusted our strategy in handling um, those patrons um, in such a way that we want to be solution-based. So one of the things that we've been doing is we've been working with the. Uh, uh, Ms. Jackson's uh, arranged a homeless task force, and we've been involved in that, um, and have made some great partnerships and connections with um, uh, groups in the community who provide uh, support for them. And so we want to be a part of connecting those um, citizens to that support. Um, One of the things that we did was we put in a cell phone charging station, because a lot of folks who are unsheltered, um, they have a cell phone, they may not have a data plan or a mobile plan, but they can still call 911, and they can still get on a Wi-Fi. And so they are track- They come to library, and they use the Wi-Fi, and they have that phone, but they often need to charge it. So we have a cell phone locker that will rapidly charge it. But at that cell phone locker, we have information that they can use to maybe find um, services to the, the, the crisis line where they can find a, a bed for the night, or they might be able to connect with someone who can help them with OCWB or uh, if they have a mental health issue or a uh, drug dependence issue or substance abuse. So that's a connection point. So we felt that that was a great step. We've also adjusted our policies to be um, more focusing on behaviors in the library instead of what somebody comes in with. Because if all your possessions are in your grocery bag, I don't think it's a very kind thing to say you need to leave that outside or you need to uh, not bring that in here because it looks bad. Because, you know, we are, you know, Again, we're an urban library, and we have those those situations where people where that's just what comes to us. The other thing we're doing, besides the charging station, and the more solution based rules, is uh, we want to get a community connector, and a community connector would be that social worker who can develop that rapport with um with the unsheltered. Um, they sometimes I think um, if we have the right social worker and the right community connector, where we can build a conversation with them and develop trust, we can connect them to those services. And if we can move some of the uh, some of those folks off uh, uh, out of, uh, into shelter, um, I think that 's a better result than just kicking them out or or being aggressive with them um, I, so that, this is those are the three things that we 're doing. There are also things that many larger cities are doing to address this because um, libraries are a part of the community, and I feel that we need to be a part of solutions to the challenges that communities face so those are the steps we 're taking. Um, you know, uh, so those are, that's what we've been doing. Okay.
0: Thank you. I'm not sure which Ms. Tr- Ms. Mr. Agilesto and Ms. Trammell. Uh,
5: Mr. Fyerson, thank you very much for the presentation. Um, I know in our earlier conversations, one of our goals had been additional Sunday hours, uh, and we've got Broad Rock Library with Sunday hours, and I know it's a very popular day uh, in South Richmond, and one of the objectives had been to find another library on the north side of the river that could also have Sunday hours. I don't see Sunday hours for the expansion of a north side library within the budget, and uh, I'd like to ask uh, particularly if that is something uh, that we can continue to consider. I know we are in this budget-expanding um, hours and particularly weekend hours for many of our recreational facilities. But not everybody's going to go out to the basketball court or into the gymnasium. And so um, potentially finding a Sunday hours where we could expand on north side. Is, main, is the main library still the ideal location for that? Uh, or have you all evaluated a different uh, proposal? And if so, what would be the cost of bringing Additional Sunday hours to a north of the river library.
13: Um, my, the goal that we've been talking about is having a main like. A, I'd love to see it in all of our locations. We don't have the resources to do it in all of our locations. This budget helps us take steps towards that. And going forward, um, I can get you the exact numbers on how much it'd be to add to all locations and to do, and to branches within the system. I think. Um, Ideally, I'd like to see a North Library open, an East Library open, and a West Library open. Um, that way, we kind of have the city covered in many, like, North, South, East, West. And the main library needs to be open on Sunday as well because we are the hub. That is the largest collection. We have over 400,000 volumes on the, in that in that building. Um, and when we make these changes with modernizing this space to put in a media lab and a maker space and a teen space, um, it needs to be open. And as you said, Sundays are the uh, optimal time in our lives when we have time to do something, and going to the library is one of those. But um, this budget helps us maintain those Sunday hours at Broad Rock, and we are trying to figure out what our next one will be, but a north library is that is that location. I believe we have enough funds to begin, um, hopefully begin that process next year. So, okay. But you. I can get back to you with a, a better answer on how much that cost would be. If, if you could get a better answer
5: on the cost, and, and if it's North Library or North Avenue Library, whichever library you've you've identified north of the river for those expanded hours, I'd appreciate that yes sir thank, thank you,
0: you. miss Mr Jamel Thank you
3: first of all, I want to thank you for all that you do because you're doing a great job thank you and um, I know that a lot of people have been asking me if you have like a newsletter that you that you could give to us council members so that we can pass them out because a lot of people want to know. Um, you know, what are the hours with the library? What does the library do? And there's a lot of people in my district that still don't have computers. They're not able to afford them. And that's why they use the library so much on the weekends. And then I have just a couple little questions. Yep. The administration cost has gone up by $100,000, but services are gone down, like um, customer service has gone down and educational services gone down. And I'm on page 185.
13: Okay, so administration services. That is, um, uh, we had a reduction while uh, my position was vacant. So my position has been added back into administration services. So that's that accounts for that increase. Um, the other question was on um, customer services. Customer going, service, yes, sir. S- and then educational services is going down. Um, those are shifts in some of our of some of our. Um, scorecard issues um, we do not anticipate any impact to services or resources with those reductions um, we're pretty much we're able to absorb those through uh, again we have an aging um, staff as well so we're going to economize some savings on uh, retirements um, we also have a, a vacancy rate that we are working diligently and deliberately to to fill as soon as possible so that accounts for some of that and and, and I believe we'll be able to Um, maintain.
3: That was my next question. How many library positions are vacant?
13: Um, When this snapshot was taken, we had about 13, um, and we are actively in recruitment for eight of those, and we hope to have those filled by the end of the fiscal year. So we've had a lot of turnover. Many of those are part-time positions, um, but we had some long-term employees retire, and um, we are working as hard as we can to fill those.
3: Is the vacancies like Um, Can you, like, tell me where most of the vacancies are? Um,
13: They're, across the board, paraprofessionals and librarians, um, professional librarians.
3: Okay, and then um, what can council do to help you, as Parker said, that, you know, I mean, people in my area, they're just so grateful, and even in Michael's district, that they can, you know, come over there in the 6th District, too, and use that library. And to me, I think we need to put everything into the libraries, because I just, I mean, in the past 10 years, I realized how valuable the libraries are, not only to the children, but to seniors, parents, because everybody gets to, you know, use the
13: libraries. Yes, ma'am. We serve preschool to 100 is what I like to say. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, um, letting people know what we do, we have to be able to communicate it on analog and digital. I said, you know, we have the 10th branch, which is that library that's open all the time. Um, it takes maintenance to maintain that, but we also need to communicate in paper and in an analog way so that uh, patrons know what's happening in our libraries. And um, you know, I, I council has been very supportive. The mayor has been very supportive of us moving forward and getting more hours. And we're doing everything we can to do that. So um, the new online catalog, I believe, will have will definitely have some econ- efficiencies in our, our workflow um, because we'll start to we'll be able to add self checkout, so patrons will be able to check out their own books. If they wish, we're still going to have um, our librarians check out books one-to-one if someone wishes to do that. But just like you pump your own gas, um, we're going to have more of that opportunity for people to use uh, self-checkout. And that will just stretch our ability to serve more people for more hours. Um, but so then, those are steps that we're taking that will soften that that decrease in, in those areas. Um,
3: and then another thing, people asking me, what days do you all at Broad Rock Library like have days that you sell the books, the paperback or the hard, hard, hard books? Because um, I know at some of the libraries they, they make money by selling the books. Over there in Chesterfield, they have a section where they put the books on sale for like fifty cents or a dollar. <laughs> so they're asking me, do we have that and when?
13: Yeah, we definitely do. Um, Twice yeah. a year, our Friends of the Library run our book sale, so we receive donations and books that are um, have been um, deaccessioned out of our library collection goes to those the, that area, and they have a sale actually coming up on April sixth and seventh. So it's only twice a year you do this. We do it twice a year, and some branches have like a, maybe a little book card of books that they have out that people can buy um, inexpensive, you know, books at a lower cost that have either been donated or deaccessioned. Because so, I think in um,
3: Chesterfield, they do, like, every week, whatever. They have, like, the books on a table, but you can mm-hmm. go there and buy them for 50 cents or a dollar.
13: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, if you can help me with the newsletter or whatever, I'll make the copies because we start our meetings back April the 19th, and I'd love to put something in there for the people. Yeah, our, our, monthly,
13: our monthly thing is check it out, and I can definitely make sure you have copies of that.
0: So in follow-up to Council... Councilwoman Trammell's uh, inquiry, can you let everyone know all of the dates, not in this moment, for when the book sales occur, but also if there's a newsletter, but just the general information, so hours of operation, resources available, so we can all push that out through our district meetings, uh, social media, et cetera, so you could get that to staff or get us the uh, places that we would check periodically so we can be helpful Uh, in disseminating the information. I want to say thank you for the presentation. Thank you for incredible work across our city with our libraries. Um, I certainly see um, the results of it and the efforts and the coordination with whether it's with schools or workforce or relative to our uh, populations who come in and are in need of getting connected to a variety of services. Uh, Just really want to say thank you. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the additional items, as I said, we can get back to uh, our staff, and our, we have one last question for you, looks like. Is that correct, Ms. Robertson?
4: Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I just wanted to follow up on the challenges that we face, especially with the downtown library as it relates to... Um, the homeless population needing a place to be and where downtown library seems to be um, a valuable resource from that perspective. And I would like to uh, have an opportunity to really work with you and the other uh, homeless service providers to see where the city needs to do a better job as it relates to looking at a more comprehensive strategy for how we are really providing adequate services for, for those persons that are homeless. Um, I appreciate what you all, how you all have been extremely effective at the main library and working with providing opportunities for families uh, that, that don't have a home. Um, but I do think that that is a growing uh, challenge. For the city and for the library, and so I would, I would have my uh, liaison give you a call to maybe set up an opportunity for us to convene all of the uh, homeless service providers to see if there are ways that we can enhance what we're currently doing.
13: Yeah, I, I'd be happy to work them. I've been impressed with um, what the human services portfolio has been able to do with the continuum of care and really bringing people together. The the police department, social services, um, the nonprofits in the area that provide uh, connection and resources, and you know even beds. Um, there's a great conversation going, and I, I feel like there's some very positive solutions coming out of that group. Um, and you know, we're never going to be able to solve homelessness, um, but I feel we're moving in a very positive direction, and we're being very solution-based on the approach the city's taking. Taken. Um, and the support that council has given. So any, any opportunity I, we have to discuss it and talk about more tactics and objectives to to address the problem, I think, is is, is outstanding. So I'd be happy to speak to your... And
4: just one yeah. follow-up question. As it relates to the electronic library, uh, new methods that are being put in place, do you see that, and from a long-term perspective, that... Facilities will be less needed because more will be done electronically? Or would the city current inventory of libraries still be needed at the same demand as it relates to having physical facilities themselves?
13: Well, the nature of our work is evolving just as information is evolving. You know, 10 years ago, you would get a physical book. Now people are consuming information in lots of different ways—a physical book, in in your on your cell phone, on your computer. Um, We are in those spaces because we have to be, because not everyone has the ability to purchase a Kindle book, or not everybody has uh, the ability to get around a paywall. You know, you can Google a question and do a search, and my gosh, you'll get a bunch of, bunch of results, but some of those results are not relevant or accurate. Um, and then you'll discover that, gosh, the really good information, it's going to cost you some money to get to it. Mm-hmm. So libraries are still connecting people to the good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And the Internet has made it so that those questions, who, what, where, when, those are really easy to get uh, get to. You can tap that into a Google. But beyond that, those why and how questions that you have to dig to... Uh, Really get the information and the research that you need; those are still hard to find, and your librarian is still that navigator who knows the sea, the tsunami of information, and able to connect you with that information quickly and efficiently. And your time is valuable, so we will always be in that space. But um, you know, people are consuming book, consuming information in different ways. Uh, you know, if you read on your phone, you get distracted and go down the rabbit hole. But if you open up a book, you're just focused on that story or that information you're reading. So um, I'm confident that um, the way we distribute information, it'll continue to evolve, um, but we'll still be that space where people come and convene and connect, and we assist with that literacy and learning. Because now people consume information in all different ways, and learning happens in all different ways. That's why we're doing a digital media lab. That's why we're doing a makerspace. Students may have access to that 3D printer in a in a school, but they can't make mistakes on it, and in at the school necessarily, or play with it in an environment that's non-curriculum-based. And a lot of that learning happens when you make mistakes. And so the library is that place where you can go and do that sort of thing, and it's different than reading a book or watching something. So
4: So I'd like to just thank you also for always making your space available, the Main Street Library, available for us for our town meeting, and you've been more than accommodating. Absolutely. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Ms. Trammell.
4: Thank you. Scott, I just had one more question. Um,
3: how many people and children visit the libraries on the weekend versus how many like during the weekdays? Like, I know there's a time during the weekday that you're really, really crowded, and then I know that on the weekends it is, it is just so busy. Um, can you get that
13: for me? You yes. Yeah,
0: if you would, mm-hmm. you can get it back to So, a
13: breakdown of day by day or hour? Please. Okay. okay. Scott, what's okay. your phone number? 646. Um, 4550. I'm sorry, 646? 4550.
0: Thank you. Again, thank you. Um, And look forward to your sharing information that comes back as uh, Councilwoman Robertson has inquired. We'd all be interested, but also the other council members as well. Thank you so very much. Thank you. All right. The next presentation, Department of Justice Services.
12: Good morning, uh, Vice President Newble and other members of council. Uh, My name is Rufus Fleming and I'm the Director of Justice Services for the city of Richmond. I'd like to start out by stating that we support the mayor's budget uh, for the Department of uh, Justice Services as presented, because it furthers our uh, mission to assist uh, public safety issues involving the city and addressing the criminogenic needs of the clients that we serve. Overall, proposed fiscal year 19, fiscal year 20 budget has minimal changes. You will find budget changes within programs, services, and account lines, but all of this was done to best address the needs of both our youth and adult populations. We were able to provide cost savings by eliminating a contracted vendor by completing the work in-house for the Day Reporting Center uh, as of January 1st of this year. We've also reduced delays in client treatment by hiring two licensed staff to provide on-site clinical services for the individuals that we serve. Our program costs for community monitoring, outreach electric monitoring, electronic monitoring, community corrections and pretrial supervision a fraction of what the state would charge the city of Richmond to house both juveniles and adults, uh, juveniles at the juvenile detention center and adults who may be uh, sent to the Richmond Justice Center. At least 35% of our reentry res- residents have attained an employment, and 60- 69% of our discharged clients have satisfactorily completed their supervision plans. And with the proposed budget, we will continue to strive to improve those numbers. Many uh, of the youth and adults we serve uh, are faced with many difficult circumstances but despite those challenges our team has committed to assisting in many ways such as providing hygiene assistance for individuals, clothing assistance, grooming assistance, securing uh, documentations uh, from the uh, vital statistics, uh, providing transportation services and other programs. Recognizing that cultural awareness in our city is critical for community resilience. We've collaborated with community partners in support support of funds to focus on helping middle and high school youth understand how stereotypes, bigotry, prejudice, and racial trauma perpetuates incidents of physical and emotional violence. And just recently, one of our employees was a co-facilitator for the recently held Youth, Provin- Youth Prevention Violence Week that was conducted last week uh, here in the city of Richmond. And that was done by partnering with individuals such as the Richmond uh, uh, entities, such as the Richmond City Health District, the Richmond Peace Education Center, and the Virginia Center for Inclusive Communities. So again, if you uh, uh, with, with the budget that has been proposed by the mayor, we feel certain that we can uh, carry out our mission uh, as provided. And if you have any questions, I'll do my best to answer them now. I'll get back to you at a later time.
0: Council members, are there questions? Mr. Fleming? Mr. Agilesta.
5: Thank you. Um, and Mr. Fleming, I appreciate the presentation. Just to confirm, uh, in the current budget, we uh, brought in house the Day Reporting Center. And it's my understanding that that is um, generating savings compared to using the outside contract vendor. That's that we Okay, and in the in the budget, there's now a breakout to show the day reporting center costs separate from other programs. Yes, before it was uh,
12: housed on the community corrections, but we have it has its own cost center now.
5: Okay, so then the monies that were in that community corrections has moved and day reporting center that's correct okay i appreciate the clarification um and the additional transparency as it relates to that um can you just from when the the vendor had it to when it's now been brought in house for the day reporting center are we still handling the same caseload that's correct yes yes we are and about how many people have gone through the program this Uh, fiscal year
12: uh, I don't have that exact figure in front of me, Mr. Adelista, but I'll be more than happy to get that for you. Is it,
5: but it's there's still plenty of capacity, as I understood. That is correct. Okay. Um. And do we understand if if more people are assigned to the day reporting center, whether we have the budget to accommodate that? Yes, we do. We do. Okay. Um. <clears throat> and then, since I've asked every other department that is impacted by the North Abroad Street redevelopment proposal, what is the uh, what would be your expectation for relocating the Day Reporting Center or uh, any of your other um, programs that are currently in the footprint of that? I don't know what I
12: quite understand what you're asking.
5: Well, the Day Reporting Center, we, we spent, I don't remember the number, but it was fairly significant, a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe more, to build out the facility. And if that building is demolished, you're going to be looking at finding a new facility, correct? That's correct. Okay. And in terms of the ideal location for a day reporting center, where in the city of Richmond would that be? You don't have to answer me now. If you could just follow up and let us know the impact and what your expectations would be for your programs and how they would be distributed in the city in the most ideal fashion for, for your vision for justice services.
12: We will get that information for
5: you. Great. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Ms. Trammell?
5: Yes.
3: Hi. Hey. Thank you for all that you do.
12: Thank you, but ma'am. I just have
3: a couple of questions. Why is the funding for the juvenile court um, increasing by so much compared to previous years?
12: The, you, are you talking about?
3: I'm on page um, one, 101. Yep, 101. Which,
0: which page, mr Trammell? I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
3: You to I'm in,
0: a main, I'm in this book. Right, but you set the 100. Page, page. 100. Page 101. 101, I'm sorry, 101.
12: Page 101. Okay. You're talking about the juvenile. increased funding? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's for uh, positions. All of the vacant uh, uh, vacancy uh, funding was placed over at the juvenile detention center for better accounting purposes.
3: I'm so so, it's a so that's for the
12: entire agency.
3: So it's one vacancy being replaced, though, right? One vacancy? It's
12: well, there's one position that we are requesting uh, for the behavioral, juvenile behavioral health docket. It's a position that's uh, grant-funded that will end as of September 30th of this year. And in the mayor's proposed budget, he recommended approval for that particular position. Okay.
3: And then um, what does Day Reporting Center do? And why is it not found as separate program previous budgets? That's on page
12: 102. Uh, for accounting purposes, we did not have uh, an account code for that, so we decided to house all of the funding for the Day Reporting Center with community corrections.
3: So it's $335,000? Beg pardon? $335,000? Uh, it's on page
12: 102. Three hundred and twenty-five thousand. Three
3: hundred
5: thirty-five
12: for twenty nineteen. It's or uh, for for eighteen. It is funded for five hundred and sixty-four. No, no, I'm sorry. Yes. In uh, in fiscal year 18, uh, Ms. Trammell, it was part of community corrections. And uh, for 19, it's being funded for 300, uh, it's proposed for 335.
3: And what does it do? What does Day Reporting Center, what does it do?
12: It provides, uh, uh, these are individuals who are uh, referred by the courts uh, for alcohol, drugs, and other uh, uh, issues. And what we do is we provide, we provide uh, moral recognition therapy. It's a cognitive-based uh, program to address uh, the needs of individuals, and it's done uh, six, seven days a week.
3: And how many? How many?
12: Right now I don't have the exact number, but I'm saying we are c- close to 50 at this particular time.
3: You can get that for me, some more information. I certainly that. will. Okay. And then um, why is mail service going up about 300%? Mail service is on the same page. Up three hundred percent.
12: Where is that, Mr. Armstrong? What are you talking about?
3: The mail service. This is mail service um, going up to almost three hundred percent from one thousand from one thousand to three three thousand. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Uh, it's on the same page, one hundred two.
12: That is for operational costs for the day reporting center and other areas.
3: So, you'll give me um, some more answers to that. Because you just said it goes with the other, with the day reporting center? It's, I mean, I
12: don't. I don't understand I, I don't, the question.
3: I don't understand, why, I don't understand why, the, why the mail service is going up that much. That's what I'm asking. You just said something about day reporting center, or did I misunderstand? It's,
12: it's a day reporting center in other areas, because we have to provide cards, uh, stationary uh, for the uh, uh, different departments, uh,
0: so, Mr. Fleming, could you provide uh, hmm. specifics in terms of the questions that Ms. Trammell is asking? And you can get that—that's meal service. Um, you asked about numbers for uh, day treatment. The number sir, Could you get that to yes, staff. Yes, ma'am. We
3: can. It's called okay. day reporting center. Day reporting yes. center, and then the mail services, and then um, and juvenile court drug. I just—I just want a little bit more information on that, please. The Juvenile right. juvenile Drug Court, it's going up?
12: Are you wanting the numbers? I, I, well
3: that, I think you said because there was a vacancy, and now you're going to fill that vacancy.
12: Uh, no, what we have is a, partic- a one position that was grant-funded uh, with a grant that we had, and in the mayor's proposed budget, he's recommending that that partic- particular position be filled at a cost of, I think it's about $75,000 associated with that one.
3: And then how much money you get from the state, too? Can you give me that information, too? Yes, I
0: right, thank you. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Ms. Gray?
7: So my question is around um, your line for projects and grants. It looks like over the past several years, there's nothing. There was a $25 item in that um, particular code. Do you have someone who is actively, see, I know there are state grants and federal grants, but actively seeking Uh, Grants and other arenas from foundations and
12: research? Yes, ma'am. As a matter of fact, we just received a a grant for $50,000 from the Department of Criminal Justice Services, and uh, we will continue to look for opportunities to secure additional grants.
7: So is there a person assigned to do that
12: now, Uh,
7: or, or is it pretty much... Whoever can make the time to fill out those applications. Usually doesn't.
12: it'll be uh, one of the program managers. We have uh, several program managers, and they are always on the lookout for grant opportunities. Okay. okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mr. Jones?
11: Thank you for your presentation. Just just one quick question. I understand uh, the upward trending of, and, and I'm going to stay on Councilwoman Trammell's uh, page of 102. Uh, When you look at home electronic monitoring, uh, you see your FY17 actual, well, was 796,000. FY18 adopted is 848,000. But then we're jumping up to 905 in FY19 and FY20, 907,000. What? What's going on there? What's trending there? What's that number again, Mr. Jones, now? If you look at home electronic monitoring, you go from FY. You're on, you're on
12: page 102?
11: Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. It's about midway down in that uh, service level budgets.
12: Okay. Uh, that has to do with uh, full uh, funding of staff.
11: That, that that that's a staff issue. That, oh.
12: As a matter of fact, when the snapshot was taken, all of the positions were not filled at that particular time.
11: Okay, so and, and I guess if you can just give me some understanding on what home electronic monitoring is, that's more than just the uh, the ankle bracelets and things of that nature. There that, that includes it, FTEs though. to go yes, ahead. You know to
12: yes, it does it includes FTE, FTEs also.
11: And so we bumped up by. That much in FY nineteen, for what reason then? To bring on more
12: staff? Uh, it is projected that we will probably have more placements uh, because, right, we've we've gone up upwards of one hundred individuals being uh, on the electronic monitoring in the in the electronic monitoring program, and we are projecting that it will increase.
11: Any relief we can get from the state or the feds? As far as funding for that, or is that something the city just has to?
12: That's a local uh, obligation. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yes, ma'am.
0: Okay. Ms. Trammell and then Ms. Robertson. I'm sorry. You did not her.
3: She didn't have. Have you already went, Ellen? I think.
0: Let her go. Let her go. One second. Um, Who has not had opportunity thus far? Was that you, Ms. Robertson? If so, I do apologize, and you would be next.
4: Okay, I'm sorry. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Fleming, for the presentation. Um, well, what is the total client number of clients that are being served?
12: Uh, are you talking about your department? department-wide? Uh, well, I'd have to get that exact number for you because we're looking at pretrial uh, uh, clients as well as probationers uh, currently being uh, supervised by the Division of Adult Programs. But so well, I can get that information. Give
4: me those numbers for those different programs. Yes, right? ma'am. Okay. Um, and for are there fees charged to the clients that that are used that you? Um, Use the home electric monitoring. Do we charge them fees for that? Yes, we do. And how are those fees collected, and are they do they come back to your department, or do they go to some other account? I
12: think they go to the general fund, but I can clarify that.
4: Can we get? No, wait some a minute. Of-
12: uh, do they come to our department? Yeah, we can utilize those uh, 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 funds for different uh, different uh, activities within the uh, department.
4: So do you have a budget as to how much funds are actually collected based on the different kinds of fees that are charged to your clientele? Yes, ma'am. And there's a budget we don't have for a that? budget,
12: but it's, it's based on a sliding scale, uh, and that's based on the income of the participants uh, in the program.
4: So I'm interested in knowing the amount that is actually charged and collected in fees for those types of services okay. I can get and that how information. those funds are used mm-hmm. as part of your budget.
12: We can get that information for okay. you. Right. This here
0: Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Trammell, did you have a phone? Okay. Yes. Thank you. We'll get back
3: to one. On page um, 104. There's some things that have really went up, like laboratory X-ray services, um, building repair and maintenance service um, to thirty thousand, um, mileage up to almost twelve thousand, uniform supply safety supply up to sixteen thousand, medical laboratory supplies twelve thousand, and then I had a question about the postal service. That's almost five thousand dollars. But yet, though, when you go over there to one hundred two, it says mail service almost 4000 so I'm asking why you know why do we have such a large increase and then also the Postal Service 5000 and then you go to page 102 and it says mail service almost 4000
0: so Mr. Fleming if you don't have those items a budget justification for each of them I think is what you're asking for what is it that's caught is that correct yeah, because, I mean, like I said, building repair and
3: maintenance went from 1000 to 30000 Sure. And yes. then there like are
12: six uh, uh, control rooms uh, in the juvenile detention center, and those control rooms need to be repaired at a cost of uh, r- roughly $60,000, $30,000. Okay. But, uh, but I'll, uh, if you give me the question, I'll get back to you with uh, specifically, well, specifically so giving you the Each of the items
0: that Ms. Trammell can- uh, has indicated if you did someone make notes so that she we can get budget justification back or disc- and
3: and then there's one more thing that's really that that has bothered me about uh, uh, medical service is decreasing on page 105. Why would we decrease medical service?
12: I'll get that information okay. for you, Mr. Trammel. But I'm not following okay. you exactly.
3: I right, think, okay. I think our staff is probably writing the questions
0: down. Yes, they're shaking their head, Ms. Tramble, that that's correct. Thank you. Okay. Mr. Fleming, thank you. Yes, ma'am. For your presentation. And if you would, uh, working with staff, uh, get the information back that's been requested by the council members. We'd appreciate that.
12: We'll do it forthwith. Thank you. Yes, ma'am.
0: With that, um, counselors, that will conclude our presentations. I think Ms. Brown would like to give us an update for the part two of our budget session today before we uh, adjourn.
14: Yes, I just want to let the council members know that um, in addition in your binder behind the others tab, there's analysis for um, Richmond Public Health District as well as for Human Services. As Even though they did not present today, they can be um, provided an amendment if any member wants to. So we did do analysis, and those can be found behind the others tab. Um, the only one thing that we did want to note that we saw, um, I guess, kind of increase was the Richmond Public Health District's uh, 19 budget increased. And from what we understand, um, this increase is to provide additional um, staffing for health workers and um, family transition coaches and other staff for the resource resource centers in uh, our public Public housing housing. communities, so if you guys um, can take a look at that and review that and provide us with any questions that you may have so we can follow up with the administration.
0: Thank you. Council members, any uh, questions for staff at this point? If not, this session of the budget uh, work will be adjourned, and we'll reconvene here at 1 o'clock. Thank you. Madam Clark, are Madam Clark, are you? Madam Clark, is your equipment uh, ready? Ready to go, counselors. Um, we have some counselors in the back. Yes, thank you. Uh,
11: Michael Jones, 9th District. No,
0: Good afternoon. We will call the uh, meeting of the Richmond City Council Budget Session Part 2 to order. Madam Clerk, if you would read the evacuation uh, announcement. And, uh, councilors, I know we have some in the back who will be coming forward to join us. So, Madam Clerk, if you will.
1: Yes, ma'am. The council evacuation announcement goes as follows. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chambers or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay, 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building and adhering to council's rules of procedure. Everyone in attendance should be seated at this time.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk, And I will um, ask Ms. Brown to give us an overview
14: uh, for this section,
0: to give us an overview for this section of the budget session.
14: Yes, so uh, an overview for this budget session is to consider the next set of proposed amendments by members from the departments or topic areas that were discussed last week. Um, Right now we have a total of six newly proposed amendments, um, and we can go through those individually. Um, I know the first three items, item number 7, 8, and 9, the um, patron who is proposing those, um, I don't currently see them in chambers. Right.
0: We will start with the uh, counselors who are present who have uh, proposed amended, amendments, and I think that would be Ms. Agilesto.
5: Thank you, um, <laughs> Madam, Madam Chair. The- I guess one point of order s- that let- – Ms. I
0: Angela, so let me just uh, impose. I have some members in the back. Let me just go see if I can.
5: And if we were can to they move, hear me? Mm-hmm. if we were council to
0: get- members in the mm-hmm. lounge, if you would join us, so we can get underway uh, with the presentation, uh, the discussion of the uh, amendments. Thank you.
5: And Madam Chair, just to get clarification, we would need yes. five affirmatives to be able to hold these within recommendations or consideration
0: forward. to move forward, yes. Okay. I assume we have five. Um, I believe we have five, sir. <laughs> exactly so at the moment. Uh, since um, Mr. Agilesto was queued up, Ms. Gray, going to go on and ask him to get underway, and then we'll come back to you. Sure.
5: Okay? Thank you. Um, So if you look at number 10, uh, that is um, uh, a proposed amendment to increase the city auditor's budget by $200,000. And this would go to supporting... Uh, his department's staffing needs to add Richmond Public Schools audits uh, within their uh, proposed work plan. We talked about this last Monday when the council was deliberating uh, his budget and asking how there, how there could be uh, a memorandum of understanding drafted between the, the school board and the city council uh, to initiate this. I did talk to my representative, Pat Cipini, and he seemed supportive. And I've uh, talked to a a couple other school board representatives who seem supportive. I know that when Ms. Gray and Ms. Larson were on the school board. A similar MOU was drafted. Uh, I have uh, left a message for superintendent cameras uh, but have not had a chance to talk with him about this, but it does appear that uh, if council is supportive, uh, the school board, um, a majority of the school board, should also be supportive. Uh, And I think that this goes to a lot of discussion about making sure that... um, There's an audit function, an internal audit function available to Richmond Public Schools that hasn't existed uh, in the past few years. And I ask my colleagues to support this recommendation. Okay. Questions? Ms. Gray?
7: Um, I I wholeheartedly agree that we need to um, push forward with making sure that there's an audit function. Um, i would like to support this with the caveat that I know that our internal that our city auditor was going to meet with the superintendent, so I want to make sure that what we're providing for those audits is sufficient to cover the hours. So I, I'm interested to hear. Okay,
0: Mr. Lassiter, if you might uh, join us and uh,
7: sorry, I didn't even see he was here.
0: Respond.
15: Good afternoon. I have not had that meeting yet. I'm trying to move it up on on the calendar. But, uh, you know, two FTE or audit hours would provide you approximately 1,600 audit hours per FTE. So that's a a, a fair number of, uh, of audit areas that could be covered with that should the council uh, choose to fund this and, and an MOU be worked out. Uh, like I said, I haven't met with the superintendent yet. I do have a meeting on the books with him to discuss this, and I'm, I'm trying to move it up on his calendar pending his availability.
7: Understood. And I, I fully support this amendment and would like to be added.
0: Mr. Lassiter, before you leave, you indicated that the uh, about 1,600 audit hours would be, what Her. might. Per
15: person, per, per, per FTE, right. yes, yes, ma'am.
0: and so the two hundred thousand would uh, accommodate that
15: for for two FTE, two positions. Yeah, yes, just ma'am. wanting
0: to make sure that that's the number, right, right, yes, on uh, salary and fringe.
15: That should be adequate. Yes.
0: Okay. Any other questions before, Ms. Robertson? Um, I just want
4: to make sure. um, if we have these audit positions uh, within our department, does that mean that schools w- will not have an auditing staff at all? Or, because I, I know that even when our auditors would do audits of schools, not they still all have. audits, but uh, so there would still be staff at the school level for their ongoing internal audit and so forth. But I guess I'm trying to make sure I'm distinguishing the functions between our auditor and the school's auditor, internal auditor.
15: My limited understanding is that that function isn't what it used to be. Um, I think there is one person left from the old internal audit department that used to be under Deborah Johns, and I'm not so sure what level of – I'd have to learn more about what level of audit work that position is currently doing at this point in time.
7: They aren't currently – well, they weren't when we left the school board. They are – the two positions that were left in the budget were to oversee the external – the contracts for the external audits because there are certain mandated audits that have to take place. School activity funds is one that's generally, and this is what we were told, generally those are contracted out. Yes, they are contracted out. The functions. And the bulk of what our internal auditors were doing was those um, student activity fund audits when we were there, and we'd ask for specific audits on HR and other things, and we could never get them so um, the internal auditor position was eliminated a couple of years ago so there there were two positions left in that budget line to oversee the external audits, but the intent was that the additional funding would be utilized to engage with the city auditor's office and develop an MOU to have those internal audits done, like the HR function, like other areas that were um, constantly coming up um, with concerns on the part of the school board.
15: I mean, the, the external audit would not audit your transportation systems, your school cafeteria operations. Um, the external audits that are done are financial statements audits and the activity fund audits predominantly. They also do contract um, for uh, uh, the math science innovation center audit. uh, But audits of operations are not normally done by the the external audits.
4: So I'd like to do a follow-up in regards to that. Um, And of course I yield to the expertise of our former school board members to probably have a better insight as to what really that resource need is and making sure that, I mean, schools is a huge operation, and I, if we're going to take on the responsibility for that level of auditing, considering the fact that schools does not have that uh, anymore, I um, Really understanding how that's going to operate, whether or not we have some type of MOU or something between our auditor and the schools so that we would have access to the information and you'll be able to effectively get those audits done and so forth. Uh, you know we've had those challenges internally mm-hmm. before uh, with cooperation and you know the opportunity for us to really get those things done so uh, it would be good to have that kind of conversation with the school board the superintendent to make sure that and also understand the scope of the work that we're taking on and whether or not this funding is adequate to do that
8: well
15: ideally I you you ide- that ideally is. you would you would like to probably have more, but having two is a good start um, When we put together, when I put my uh, audit plan together at another locality, there was a higher degree of consolidated services so that when we were auditing Mm -hmm. accounts payable or the fleet, Mm -hmm. we were really auditing both sides of the house, for lack of a better word. Um, Here, I would say that those levels of consolidation um, aren't as mature Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but two audit staff at sixteen hundred hours it would provide a decent level to get to some of the high risk areas. Not not knowing everything behind you know the operations, it would be a start. I guess is the best way to put it.
8: Okay.
4: That's and uh, I appreciate you uh, making note of that factor as it relates to. Consolidation and the maturity of where we are, and having consolidation of services, is different. Uh, it's conversations we've had in the past. I don't know whether or not they've uh, materialized to the degree that they were discussed, but um, you know, certainly us being aware of what options that we should consider as it relates to the consolidation would be something that would be helpful for us to take into consideration as well as not as a part of this budget cycle, but as a part of uh, our continual working relationship with schools and uh, the utilization of services that's crossing over.
16: Yes, ma'am.
4: Thank you, Mr. Lassiter. Um,
0: Ms. Larson. Um,
9: I apologize for being late and if you've already covered this, but um, just a question for the patron. So you have two internal auditors, and the um, schools asked for one internal auditor in their budget?
5: So the schools have requested that to be put into their budget. Uh, that was the additional part of the additional twelve and a half million dollar request that they had. That right now they're still saying that they need additional operating monies. Um, <clears throat> I'm not certain that one, as Mr. Lassiter said, one for the size of the scope of RPS would really get us much. But I think having two to start is a, a place that I think would be sufficient so that we could be operating um, tandem audits. Uh, Within RPS whether it's transportation or the cafeterias, if that's you know not the desire of the council, um, we could potentially trim it back but i I hear from constituents that the um, that Richmond public schools uh, hasn't had this audit function in a while, and that maybe there's a greater need for that at this time
9: a follow up dr. Yes. Newbell so. When, and maybe this is what Ms. Gray was talking about when I walked in, but when the schools have an internal auditor listed on their budget, are they referring to an internal? I assume they were referring to an internal auditor on their staff within the school's audit department, and you're talking about two auditors in our audit department. So really we're talking about three FTEs, one on the school side and two and if if that's the case I just want to make sure that um, I mean I'm supportive of audits sure. and the check and balance and all that but I want to make sure that schools are part of this discussion and we're not trying to right. force and, and something on them. I think
5: you might have misheard um, or wasn't weren't here when I opened up saying I have had conversations with school board representatives who are supportive of having this within the city auditor's office. Uh, and I had left a message with the superintendent. We haven't connected precisely on this particular case, but when you do look at what they are requesting for additional dollars, it's not in their base budget. This is in their additional uh, budget request to the administration. The administration is giving them one time funding, one time funding, to get $12 million. That means that if you look at FY20, some of these additional costs aren't necessarily in the budget or covered by the, the appropriation in the FY20 budget. And one, one particular discussion item that I've had with some RPS uh, school board members has been where we, and I think Mr. Lasseter mentioned this, where we have functions that could be consolidated procurement or accounts payable or audit fleet you know some of these functions um, that it would be the most cost efficient had if we could consolidate them so this recommendation is to put this on the city's side of the equation if the school board uh, in writing an MOU acknowledges that the city auditors office takes on this responsibility then it potentially leaves them with not needing that position at RPS, but that all would have to be discussed through the MOU process. Uh, Right now, we're talking about setting aside the dollars, and once we know that the dollars are going to get a set aside, we can work to get that MOU in process, and I already have uh, somebody on the school board who is willing to introduce the resolution to move that forward on their end.
9: Okay. I would just be – I'm glad you've done all your homework. I would be more comfortable – just knowing that there's definitely five people on the school board that support this.
0: Okay. So based on the discussion, um, it would appear that uh, two things are going to need to happen. Discussion with the superintendent, which has not occurred, well, three things. Discussion with the superintendent, additional conversation with school board, and then a memorandum of agreement would have to be crafted uh, in this. So those sound would be the conditions, if I've heard correctly, that would satisfy some of the questions that have been raised. Ms. Gray,
7: last I just question. want to um, state that it's good if they agree that they should be audited, but a large portion of their budget is from our general fund, and we are obligated to assure that those dollars are being spent efficiently and effectively, and I think within that obligation, um, we we have the ability to administer audits to schools, and I think that we should exercise that ability, especially in light of the recent hirings that have taken place at 180 plus thousand dollars and all of the all of the money that's being spent. Um, the questions I'm getting from people very intimately involved with schools, saying how are they going to pay these people when they still have other people on the book. I mean, I think we are obligated to put forward an effort to make sure that the books are audited on the school side.
0: Okay, thank you. So, Mr. Jones, last comments. so I need to wrap this up.
11: All right, no problem. Thank you, Madam Vice. I would say the same thing, that I'm not looking for their permission to audit their books or, you know, outside of a memorandum of understanding how we're going to get it done. We do provide them with considerable, considerable amount of money. The public holds counsel to a, you know, with a very high threshold of how we go about supporting schools with funding decisions and to just give, them an open check and they can do whatever they they choose to, uh, and still carry a very high fund balance year after year, uh, and things aren't getting done. Uh, I think we should hold them accountable. And, and really, I could, uh, I'll, I'll play nice in the sandbox. I, I'm not concerned with how they feel about an audit. We need their books audited. We need their processes audited. And we owe that to the taxpayers of Richmond, Virginia to make sure that this is done every year for them to not have. And and I've heard so many different things about the last time their books have been audited and, um, you know, that a person has retired and they haven't backfilled that position. That is gross negligence. And so I'm just all for this coming under our umbrella, us doing it and then. I spoke to a couple of my colleagues about this. Um, Our audits need to have teeth to it. So it's not just an exercise of futility, but if we see a recommendation that makes sense, why not implement it? And I, I think my colleagues, we've got to do a better job in that, that if something comes through our auditor's office as a recommendation and we let it sit on the shelf for years and never do anything about it, shame on us. And so I'm I'm excited about our new auditor and so we we can work to make (laughs) so we can basically implement the things you find.
0: Thank you. Mr. Lassiter, did you have something else you wanted to say? Okay. Mr. Jackson.
16: Yes, ma'am. I just wanted to make clear to the council um, that the city's ability to conduct audits of the school's does have limits um, under the under the Constitution. Supervision of schools is vested in the school board. Consequently, the there's a series of opinions by the attorney general that have been out there for years and years um, that say that while a locality can conduct an audit, it may do so only with the consent of the school board, and it is the function of the school board, the right of the school board, if you will, to determine whether any proposed uh, audit or any actual audit uh, conflicts with the operations of the schools. So it can be done, but it does have limits, and it does require the cooperation of the school board. Thank you.
0: With that, I would like...
3: I just have one question for the for the city attorney, all right. You said limit. We we would have limit limitation, like like what?
16: It, it would depend on the individual case. It is up to the school board to determine whether a proposed audit or an actual audit interferes with its operation of the schools, um, and so it would need to be a case by case determination. Right, Essentially, an audit by a locality requires the consent and the cooperation of the school board.
0: Thank you. So, I again, the three provisos with this particular paper still stand meeting with the superintendent, discussion with the school board, and an MOA. And I hear the concerns, but that's pretty much as opined by the city attorney. Mr. Jones, something else yes. beyond this? Yes.
11: No, in line with that, one step further... And and I appreciate uh, the opining of our city attorney, but we need to exercise, and and I would hope that council would exercise all of our means to ensure that they have an auditor. If, If they are supposed to have an auditor, then get one, and then do routine audits and report that to the public. Our administration goes through it, and they have to deal with it. It's public. But the schools are avoiding that. Because again, if you know you have that position that is a checks and balance, a large part of the process is being is being overlooked. And I'm trying to find the right words is not to, to offend anyone since this is on, you know on the record. But council needs to do all that we can within our power to ensure that the schools audit their books, period.
0: And I think that's the intent that mis- has resulted in Mr. Agilesto bringing this particular um, item forward. And with that, I'm going to ask staff to take a consensus here with all the provisos that we've already discussed. Wow. Okay. As long as you're clear in
4: articulating what those provisions are? The th- uh, because-
0: so the three items, our um, auditor, Mr. Lassiter, has scheduled and will have conversation with the superintendent. Uh, we are wanting to have follow-up conversation with the school board members to, um, and it sounds as if they are also equally as interested in having an audit function and then a memorandum of agreement between uh, us and schools. And I hear you, Mr. Jones, but within the uh, legal limitations that we have here as a pine by a city attorney, we first, tr- I mean, the opportunity here is to work differently than we have in the past. And so we try if something else is uh, indicated thereafter, but at least first attempting to do so. It's so. just
11: interesting that someone can say we don't want to have an audit function. It- Th- that's well,
0: all. Th- this will get us there, sir. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I it. Uh, Ms. Brown, um, if you would like to go on and call for a consensus on this with the provisos.
14: Yes, all those in favor of moving this amendment forward um, to the next uh, stage in the process, please raise your hand.
0: With the provisos that were indicated? With the provisos yes. that were Okay.
14: Specific.
0: Thank you. Ms. Agilasto, since we're with
5: you, if we could uh, continue, sir. Thank you all for the vote of confidence on that last piece. Um, This next one is also based on last Monday's conversation about um, there being in the city council budget an appropriation of funds for travel um, that not every council person uh, utilized. And uh, this represented a fairly large increase year over year from $10,000 to $18,000 for additional travel even though people such as myself didn't necessarily use it Uh, and the recommendation here is to reduce that line item uh, and to then increase it by uh, reappropriating it to the nine individual council district uh, discretionary accounts and if you chose to use it for uh, travel to conferences then that 's your choice. Uh, you still had that money available to you, uh, but if you chose to uh, reappropriate it into grants to support youth or or other initiatives that we have uh, already authorized within our discretionary funds, that money would be available instead of the travel fund.
0: Thank you, mr. Agilesto. council members miss gray
7: um, i and I understand what um, Council Member is trying to accomplish here. However, I do think not enough of us take advantage of training and development opportunities, and I think that it's really incumbent upon us to seek out those opportunities if it's learning more about how budgets work in governments or what things are happening in other localities that are really working to combat challenges that are common. Um, we really need to grow as council members. And I think not having a separate budget for that and protecting it for those types of activities, um, some, some of us may never take advantage of the training and the information that, that I think we all need. I mean, we all need to grow in our roles every day no, you know, no matter how long we've been here or how short, I know I feel very inadequate on most days when I'm sitting up here and making very difficult decisions. So I just think that that's something that needs to remain protected as, um, as we exchange information with other localities, as we go to conferences and learn more about how to do business.
0: Thank you. Other council members? Ms. Robertson. Mr. Addison,
4: after clarification, uh, so the initial proposed increase of eighteen, uh, and then ten for year twenty. What is currently set aside for conferences, education advancement, and those kinds of things in their budget for council?
0: Ms. Brown is going to uh, pull Ms. that. Ms. Shaw in. should have that information. Okay. Ms. Shaw. Yep.
14: The fiscal year eighteen adopted budget and uh, for council had ten thousand six hundred and ninety-nine dollars for conference and conventions and um, five thousand ninety-five dollars for employee
4: training. Okay, so would this amendment means that um, the eighteen thousand will be broken down in equal increments of nine, which means that each person will get a couple thousand dollars? So I'm going on the inner city trip uh, in April. What's the um, dollar amount for that trip? Twenty five hundred. Is what. 2500 That's just the registration fee and whatever other accommodations, the hotel and those kinds of things. In addition to that, there's flight.
0: Could I get just a point of clarification? I want to make sure I heard correctly. You said 2500 for registration. Okay.
4: But it includes... No, no, co- I'm just... It includes... It includes co- hotel and all of those. Oh, okay. That's what I was it's trying to get. It wasn't just fee, yes. the registration yeah, fee. Yeah, it includes all your meals, all of okay. your accommodations, travels from different places that we'll go to visit while we're there. But it doesn't and,
0: and include so your forth. flights. Just does not include not your It flights. doesn't
4: include flight. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't include flight. Mm-hmm. does not. But with appropriation of 2000 and I'm not suggesting that You know, that's not something that I do every year. I mean, I think last year a couple of us went. uh, Uh But I think it's good for us to have representation uh, on those trips. Uh, All of our surrounding counties and so forth participate in those trips. And and it's a a regional effort. But with a budget of $2,000 per councilperson, I would not be able to make that trip out of those appropriated funds um, <clears throat> just in and of itself. So I think that when we look at the way that is currently being used, and everyone should participate, and I think that we should have a training development program strategy for council to make sure that where we feel it's necessary, that there's a representation, that there is representation, and that when we make these trips that there's an opportunity to come back and report to council what happened and you know those kinds of there should be a purpose for us going not just you know arbitrarily people make those decisions uh, but I think that's something that we have to t- should take into consideration as it relates to us making this change
0: thank you I think mr. Addison then
17: uh, well I can't do it. thank you vice chair uh, new bill I, I understand the need for some of the equitable expense and use of funds in this capacity but I also understand too that you know from my last year uh, going to a couple conferences I've directly applied what I've learned with the open data policy that I up- updated and modernized I've used my went to an Urban Land Institute training program that really helped me look at some projects we have, especially in the first district, with understanding how to help support that kind of development going on in cities. And it was great to learn from other peer cities dealing with similar issues of growth. And I think that there is an invaluable piece of being able to go to have professional development and learn from our peers and see best practices and actually learn the lessons that people have learned from their mistakes as well. And while I understand that this is, you know, helping identify more funding for that, I don't feel like given the budget we have before us, we need to be picking and choosing these small little things to be focusing on for, for this. I really think I'd encourage more of us to use this type of funding to bring more ideas and open our eyes to more opportunities we have to you know expand what we're doing here on City Council. I know that from my experience, I was applying everything that I've gone to visit and learn from other at conferences and events to bring that here to Council, and I think that I'd like to explore doing more of that And rather than putting that as a competing aspect for doing things in my own budget as a whole, they are usually separated by line item budgeting for corporations, businesses, and other organizations for the leaders to be able to do these exact type of events and programs. So I do like us being able to attend and be present and learn and bring that back here and effectively change the things that we're working on. So um, I appreciate what this proposal is looking to do, but I would like to see other ways in which we could find the funding looking to be allocated. I think we could, if we want to increase our departmental, our our district funds, I'm fine with pursuing that but not at the expense of not being able to also use what I think is a good way of best practices learning from other cities. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I think I'm not Mr. Jones, Ms. Trammell, and then back to Mr. Atalesto, and then we'll go for Ms. Larson, and then we'll go for consensus.
11: Thank, thank you, Madam Vice. I, I think this is a question of, uh, of, of equity, uh, where there are not enough funds there for any, we all cannot go in any one given year if one, uh, one particular trip is just for registration hotel is $2,500. It, it's not fair and equitable to all of our colleagues to have access to the same training. So it is a first come, first serve, or, you know, I, I've heard about this, and, and I'll go if there's monies that are there. Um, because, again, uh, there, there should be some level uh, of openness and availability to all of us. Uh, and it's not that, not that we don't want to or all of us don't want to get uh, training. I believe continued training is, is essential to any function. Um, and so, my concern would be who goes, how often do they go, and how do they report back uh something there's something to be said of one or two individuals occupying that entire line item, and i don't know the number of people that have. I will say this though uh it needs to be reported publicly because but hold on, hold on because i 've heard that my name is going to be in some article that I've used these funds to go on different trips and I haven't gone anywhere uh, on city money. Um, and so that's a concern as well because unfortunately, and it's the reality of and the nature of the beast, that people will look at what city council will spend for this trip or that trip and say, well, wow. Uh, our c- we don't have money for schools, but they have money for a trip. And even if that trip is $1,000, you know, or $2,000. Um, you know, it's it's still the optics thereof. And so, um, so I'll go on record that I have not taken any uh, trips of this, you know, uh, in, in this area or used these monies. If we're going to move forward, there has to be some type of equity. It is not fair if one or two of our colleagues go um and and take part in it and we all don't have access to or we simply come back and say you know three go this year and three go the year after and three go the year after that so there is some type of rotation through versus me just coming and saying look here's four things that here are four events that i want to go to and if the monies are there book the trip you know and so would love to see some type of uh, uh, rationale and reasoning on how we choose these. And so again, and lastly, I will go on the record once again. I did not take any of these trips. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mr. Jones. You. Ms. Trammell.
3: Thank you. Um, I too have not been in any trips at all. And I've been back on council since um, 2006 and I've not been anywhere. So I want to make that clear too. Um, I want to say that if we and Michael's right, if how do you pick and choose who would go on these trips, and as Ellen just said, it's twenty five hundred dollars to go, and I suppose there were seven of us that wanted to go because i I know that you know when you you know you can get a lot of information, bring a lot of information back, but it's not fair that. It, like say seven of us wanted to go or say all nine of us want to go, how we're gonna pay for it because that would that would take all the money away?
0: So I think I don't know that I have an answer per se, but certainly in Mr. Jones's comment, I think that if we decided to keep it as is, we could come up with a rotational process or system by which we choose um, just again rotation. You went this time to this time what whatever the case is the reporting back all of those are components that we could devise a uh, process and protocol if it is consents that we would retain it we can come up with a uh, system by which we determine how many go who go who's on first you yeah. know but I'm we have not had that in the past
3: I understand but I'm just saying you know suppose um there was a, a place that that was appealing to all nine of us that we wanted to go, and then we've already used some of the money. Come in April, and then say there's something else coming up in September, October that many of us want to go to, and there's no money for like you couldn't say, well, Parker, you can't go because Reva Reva found out about it first, or Kim, no, you you can go three next year, you can't go now,
0: and so I, that. I do want to get to Ms. Larson and back to Ms. Gray, but we know over the course of a calendar year there's going to be an inner-city visit. There's some standard things that we know will happen. And so we could look at that calendar of event and determine how many of those things we think will be important for our membership to participate in and then make selection, rotate, whatever the case, in terms of who will go, who's available, any number of things, dollar issues. So I'm just saying that we can very well if it is consensed that we want to leave it as is, we can come up with the process, or we can do what's actually on the table to, um, you know, divide it equally. So that's I'm just saying it doesn't uh, preclude us from looking at retaining it as is, but with some more rigor than we've had in the past, Miss Larson. And then I'm going to press us to get to. Uh, uh, consensus.
9: All right, um, just a clarification. So, the adopted for 18 was the 10,699, and the proposed is the 18,000 for conferences and conventions. And then there's the employee training. So, is that for council members too, or is that for our staff?
14: Uh, the, the employee training is more for council
9: liaisons. Okay. okay. So have people utilized that? So, so.
14: If, they, if there has been usage in the past, but nothing to the full budgeted amount.
9: Okay. So normally those extra funds have been used for council member travel? Mm-hmm. Is that? I mean, I remember we talked about this during your proposal. We bumped up the Uh conference budget line item, right? Because we we needed more
18: funds. And you're correct, Councilor Larson. In the past, if those funds haven't been used by staff, Mm -hmm. then they have been used. But we have had some liaisons to take advantage of training.
9: Okay. Okay. I guess just a comment. I I totally. Understand everybody's perspective um, and the, the question of fairness and, and all that. I do have some concerns about us getting so, like, spending a lot of time talking about such a small amount of money. Um, and we had kind of a different system on school board, um, and we actually spent a ton of time talking about these items and I do appreciate that on city council so far we have not spent an extraordinary amount of time talking about you know $500 and $1,000 and that I guess staff has made it work. I mean I I think I've only been on one trip since I've been in this position but um, it's has anybody not been able to do some sort of professional development or conference since they've been in this position? Because I hear that as a concern, but I don't know if it's a reality.
0: I've I've not heard. um,
18: Lou, do you have any feedback in that regard? No, as I said, that... um We've been working to make sure that whenever you have a conference or something you need to attend, that the funding is there. And um, I also mentioned that in the past, if I saw that um, several members wanted to attend the same event that was costly, I just speak to the members, and that has always worked out, has not been a problem for us. Okay, so with that, um, I'm
0: going to ask Ms. Brown uh, to seek consensus. It would seem if we chose to retain it as is that minimally there would have to be some well-defined process, um, uh, articulation of what the calendar of events and activities are, conversation with council members, something more than we've had. Uh, and we've had not had a process before, so just as a proviso. So, Ms. Brown.
14: Uh, Yes, so if all those who can raise their hand, if you wish to move this amendment forward to the next uh, phase in the process. Thank you. Thank you. That did not pass.
0: Then we will, um, since we're at the very... I'll, I'll go back up to the top. So, Ms. Addison, if you would.
17: Um, <clears throat> thank you, Vice Chair Newbill. So I have a, um, over the past couple years, we've seen um, a need for some strategy for technology and investment and how that's working to help coordinate across the entire city the things that we're investing in to make sure we're doing the best for um, modernizing our operations, making them be more um, accountable, I think also consistent. And the fact is we've had from, I think, 2013, Infotech did a really good comprehensive research study of our IT services citywide. And in that report, they highlighted the need for a chief information officer excuse me, type role. And what this does is different than the director of IT um, we, have the, we have a lot of needs that need to be taken care of for just keeping things moving, um, either I- implementation of a system to just making sure things are working from emails to our laptops, computers, cell phones, voicemail, um, you name it, for different department operations. Uh, but I feel that we are at a point where we need to really look at putting ourselves in a position to make good strategic decisions citywide. And the reason why I mentioned the 2013 Infotech Report is because a lot of the recommendations that could really modernize our operations, get us from using either a mainframe-based system, which we're finally getting away from, but being more collaborative with the technology and tools that we have available. We have many duplicative systems across our city departments, and I think that we have a, an ability to really um, push forward. And one of the best practices from around the country is having a position whose is, role is to work across the entire organization to work on technology, information, how the systems work together, making sure that the plans and how we are moving all the operational capacity for all departments so that it's not one department's budget is only able to show what that capacity for that small department can do. It's if you have a work order system or something you want to work mobilely, remotely, or other advanced, you have the ability of doing so. Right now, that's dependent on systems available to share across the portfolio. A chief information officer helps transform that. It helps lead the city's technology and our systems and database, et cetera, in a forward-looking approach so that we're not wasting money. We're we're spending our money in the best efficient way. And there are ways in which we can drive efficiencies, effectiveness for getting rid of outdated systems, duplicative efforts across different departments. And so one of the things I've done some research on is that the job description I'm in the final stages of kind of hashing out would be for a chief information officer, um, which I have not defined exactly where in the organization right now it's sitting for an information technology and I utilized some of the vacancy funding available in some departments to pull together so we could posi- position our city to at- attract a quality person. Um, I understand there's been conversations about this type of position with Capital One and other technology companies in the region to help support this effort looking for this type of position. The challenge is always funding, as it is with everything. And so that was where this money came in. The reason why it's 150 is because we won't be filling the position July 1. It'll be throughout the course of the hiring process um as we go through so it's a partial funding and then the full amount this also includes the benefits as best i could um assess from what we have the budget for and that's why 2020 was for two hundred thousand dollars
0: thank you mr addison council members questions ms gray
7: so my only question or comment is that um I know that this has been a topic of conversation with the administration, but it wasn't put forward in the budget. I know they just um, made the acting position for the IT director a permanent position. So I think that the direction of these positions should come from the administration and how they would be utilized. I don't think it's proper for us to create a position for the administration if they haven't seen fit to put it in their proposed budget.
0: Ms. Robertson?
4: I I I think I'm a little concerned as to well We've gone for such a long time without having a permanent uh, staff person, uh, temporary staff in this critical role, and I'm glad to see that the administration is recognizing that, that you know we cannot continue to go on with having uh, key positions, department heads, without a full-time committed salary and full funding for those positions and so i'm not sure if i'm understanding what this additional position and is this chief of information officer position sounds almost like the department director is that mr addison if you could clarify that for me
17: it's, it's more of a elevating the need for the position of this above just being a department. I know we just moved and transitioned last year to internal service fund for IT, which is a big step to make it be more of a service for the entire organization as a whole. So all the departments have a, you know, allocation of resources to pay for that. The, the challenge is we have need someone to lead that position in terms of driving these decisions citywide. And right now, the IT director has by language, I guess you could say, that ability to do so. But the vision-setting strategic purpose of that is not part of, I think, this role purpose. So it's looking at all the things we have from either a website, mobile technology uses, applications, to hardware we use, to the data we're collecting, to the data we're using. This is a really big step, especially with looking at administration, utilizing, you know, being open and transparent comes from position leading it from this capacity. An IT director sometimes doesn't have that bandwidth to handle what's needed to drive these changes organizational or citywide, and a chief information officer role is positioned in an organization typically along, I guess you would say for us, a DCAO level arrangement or in that kind of space to really help drive for the entire administration the investments we're making in department by department for technology, IT, other services, and making it be a more strategic purpose. There is a functional role of operations that an IT director would do, so taking care of the day-to-day operational stuff. A chief information officer would really drive the bigger five-year planning of what we're doing, how we're keeping up with the trends, using cloud um, for some of our services uh, we're using for basic functionalities of the departments, things that by department become a secondary decision. This person would lead to say, we must do these things to be more forward-thinking, secure, and safe, a lot of the, I think, challenges we have is we've seen in some of the IT conversations previously is that you know, we are still trying to play catch-up with just some of the basic things, and an IT director is hopefully trying to drive those things with our budget, and that's what we're catching up and doing right now. A chief information officer is looking forward rather than trying to catch up from behind and helping make sure we're streamlining everything together. Um, it is a very different focus. It is hard to explain if you... I mean, I've obviously had a lot of research and done a lot of work for that, I have a job description I can share with you at some point, but I was hoping to have that ready today.
0: Uh, Mr. Addison, uh, consultation with the administration relative to this position and the need and how it might work with and interface with the uh, new IT. Has it...
17: I guess... I've had many conversations with this, with the administration about this position, okay. and I, I definitely a- agree with, understand, and appreciate Councilwoman Gray's point about if this was, if we're ready for this, why wasn't the administration pushing this forward? And, and I was just jobs. taking the initiative to make this be a council priority based upon other things we're working on. Okay.
0: Am I? I apologize, no, Mr. Jo- I'm going to blame Mr. Jones for this. He was asking me a question, and I was trying to listen and be responsive, so I apologize. You were concluded?
17: Yes, I okay. concluded my point.
0: Thank you. Mr. Jones?
11: Could I defer my time to our, uh, our CAO, or is that, are we in line, out of line if, if if we heard from her? Or is that necessary? And I'm the new guy still, so... <laughs> Uh, I can't be new anymore. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> pretty much you, you're you not deferring, Mr. Jones. Uh, uh, but uh, if uh, council members would like to hear from administration, I certainly can.
17: And that printing yes. you hear is that job description? I'm sorry. The printing you hear in the back corner is that job description?
0: Okay. Okay. Ms. Coffey-Glenn, if you
6: would. Good afternoon. Selena Caffey Glenn, CAO for the City of Richmond. Certainly I think you've had a lot of good conversation as it relates to the Chief Information Officer potential position. As you know, in the mayor's budget, it is not proposed, but it is something he mentioned as a possibility for 2020. Uh, As a staff, we've not completed the review as it relates to the job description whereby council would actually have to create the position. So certainly we applaud the work that uh, Councilman Addison has indicated. He has worked with us on understanding the need for such a position, but we've not gone through all the logistics as it relates to creating it making that recommendation to City Council, as well as looking at the funding for 2020. That will be something that the mayor has indicated he is certainly supportive of. But looking at all the needs for 2019, it was not one of his recommendations for this year. That is not to say we're precluding the importance of having such a position, and certainly of City Council can identify new dollars for funding such an initiative, Uh, we certainly would turn that away. Uh, But for now, we are working on the process of creating the position, the job description itself, because it has to reflect what the administration needs, working collaboratively with the city council on the needs for information technology and the vision that we have for our city. So I think that's certainly what I would uh, hope council would consider as you make your final decision. Thank you. Any other questions, council members? Okay. Um, last,
0: if you would round my, us my up, Mr. Disc- my closing and,
17: comment was, you know, as we know with, with hiring processes in the city, if there's no funding available in the budget for a position of such a level, there's no starting of the process. So putting funding in this lets us have the time so we can at least explore the creation of that position title to create it formally vet where it fits in the organization, finalize job description titles, etc., But I know that if we were to wait till 2020, we would be at this conversation point this time next year and then looking to possibly hire one in a year and a half, two years from now. And so my challenge, my struggle is with waiting as we are looking at the proposal now um, with not being in the budget from the mayor, we're just going to be further waiting and waiting and waiting. And that was my, my intent was to push this up a little bit to get the funding in the budget so we could post and attract someone to do this role.
0: Okay. Thank you. Ms. Brown, if you would call for consensus.
14: Yes, well, all members who are in favor to move this amendment to the next phase in the process, please raise your hand. That motion, did that uh, move forward?
0: Thank you. The next item, Ms. Gray.
7: So um, since I put this proposal forward um, to... I know. Last year, we put in a program for alley maintenance and repairs that had been taken out in prior budgets. Um, I was informed by Megan Brown that there is uh, funding in the budget of six hundred ninety thousand. Um, the response we received from um, the administration was six hundred sixty thousand. Six hundred sixty thousand um, that is allocated. That wasn't readily available from. The budget documents we got, but if that's the case, I'd like to reduce this um, funding um, budget amendment to 90,000 to level it at the 750,000 for alley repairs and maintenance. We still have thousands of alleys that are in need of maintenance and repairs.
0: Okay. Thank you. Ms Larson.
9: So is the um, alley maintenance, the 695 that you all, 675 that you found?
0: 660.
9: 660 that you found, is it a line item that says alley, or is it lumped in with something else, and where can I find it? Do you know?
14: Um, it is lumped in with
9: call center. Sorry,
14: just call call center? cost center or program number. Oh, okay. Um, And the program number 2912, which I can get that for you in just a second. Okay. But it's not a separate line item that specifically
9: says alley maintenance. Did we have it as a separate line item last year or in previous years? Uh, No. Last year was also
14: wrapped up into, um, I think it just was roadside maintenance. Okay. So So it wasn't broken out into a separate category like leaf collection or bulk
9: and brush. All right. Uh, I just wonder, is there a need to...
0: A text amendment or something. Right, to
9: to break it out and specify that it's for Allie's. Council Member Gray. So... If
0: we can do the first part first, whether or not we want to increase it, and then as a part of that discussion, determine if we want to or we'll need to add a text amendment to specifically say this category of work that these dollars would go towards. Any other comment relative to uh, what Councilwoman Gray is indicating based on what staff provided? Information that there's 660 that she'd like to propose that instead of 750, this would be a $90,000 item that would go to uh, dealing with citywide alleys, maintenance, and repair. And then I'll, since we're there, just to provide uh, a comment that's already been registered whether, uh, as to this, be there being a text amendment to specify. Any other comments, questions? Mr. Addison?
17: Um, I definitely appreciate this this paper. I just would like to know, you know, as we're playing catch-up, what will we need once we're caught up to know what we're getting to a regular maintenance schedule for keeping alleys to a certain extent? Because we have put, I think now, if this is approved, it will be almost $2 million in alley repairs. Because of last year's budget, We put two, we put more money into it to help it out, if I remember correctly. And I think in that, we have a need to keep up with this. And I know that a lot of my residents have been happy, but there's also been the mine hasn't been done yet issue. And I know that's not just in the first, it's in all other areas too. But what was, now we're getting caught up, hopefully over the next course of the next year, what is the right-sized amount needed to keep up with that so we know what to right-size us when we're caught up to make sure we're keeping up with our work because I don't want to have this fall back again and have a bigger budget impact to catch up again because we didn't fund it correctly. So I just wanted to know if there's any information that could support that. It's not needed. I support it. I just had a question about looking forward. Is it a half a million dollars a year to keep it up to date with what we have done? So we're moder- keeping up without letting them get to the decaying piece because a lot of the expense now is because we have such a bad um, alley status that we have to do a lot of work. And if you do it correctly, it's less work and better outcomes. So just wanted to get to that point at some point as well.
10: I,
0: I hear the question. I would certainly ask, uh, while um, I see Mr. Vincent and Ms. Coffey-Glenn, I may not in this moment have that question. Did you end- uh, have that response? Uh, if we could get a response to that question, what will it take? Once you know we have invested from the prior year, the, if this investment goes forward, where does that get us, and at what point do we get to a place we can really maintain this Ms.
7: Gray, I'm sorry. So um, they, I believe it was 750000 last budget. There wasn't an alley program in the budget. Um, and we wanted to put one back into the budget because it had been out. And with that, uh, we um, got a report recently that 1,600 lane miles of alleys were repaired. Um, we still have thousands and thousands of more lane miles. So I think to to even contemplate that we, I mean, to me, I think um, this is more about maximizing and getting the most out of what capacity we have those repairs done. There are several that haven't gotten touched on the list. I continuously hear about those, and I'm sure you do as well, and other council members, but um, we need to make sure that it's reflected in the budget that, as a priority because um, it's been a real challenge within the city. Yeah,
0: thank you. I, I, I mean, I'd be interested in whether Mr. Vince can come up with this because every time we have a weather event, we're going to have need for once the salt's down with the snow and whatnot, and the potholes that follow, there will be constant need uh, for. Um, streets uh, to be addressed. So, uh, Mr. Vincent, as best as you can opine when you get an opportunity, but it seems that this is an ongoing um, need for our city. So, with that, any other questions? Ms. Robertson.
4: Thank you. Um, My question is for the reduction to 90. Um, Is this for the purpose of hiring additional staff to be able to get the alley work done? Um, And whether or not that means we need additional... I would assume that this is man hours that we're talking about that we need to get the work done, right? And so so
7: is this to equate to additional staff? So last year, that's what it did, and this just sustains... The program last year it was initiated, reinitiated in the budget, and this just continues the alley maintenance and repair program that was not reflected in prior budgets, and we all saw the result of not having that in the budget. I think it, um, to Ms. Larson's point, it would be helpful to have this as a separate program so that we know that it is being funded.
14: Okay. I just want to make one clarification. The funding that was put in last year's budget didn't specify whether it was personnel or for operating and or materials. Uh, it was just a line item for alley maintenance, and it gave the department the flexibility to spend that, whether it was personnel funding or operating. And so this amendment is proposed to be uh, similar, just to increase it to a full 750 if the 90 is approved.
0: So uh, with that, I'll ask for consensus on this item um, with the indicate proviso that there is a desire to have a text amendment uh, just simply saying citywide alley maintenance and repair as it's been before. Ms. Brown.
14: Yes, those who are in favor of moving this amendment forward at $90,000 um, please raise your hand.
0: Thank you. The next item, Ms. Uh, Ms. Gray.
7: Um, The next item is just funding two unfunded positions within the city auditor's office. What is it? Uh, Ms. Gray? They're they're currently staffed positions that need to be funded within the auditor's budget. I'm looking
0: at the text here, fully funded, currently filled city auditor position. You were saying two.
18: Yeah, that's correct, when that position
0: was yeah. vacant. Um, right, no, but Ms. Gray, I, I thought you were saying something about two positions. You're meaning the city auditors. One well, is
7: the auditor, but I believed it was two positions that we're trying to cover that aren't currently fully funded. That's
18: correct, Councillor Gray. And Mr. Lassiter is here, but he has two positions which are vacant that he needs funding for. In addition, I don't believe his salary was fully funded. Okay, so what I'm addressing right
0: now is, are the increases here, and so we don't have that before us yet. Then, these two additional positions—they're
7: not okay. adding the position They're current. <clears throat> they're currently filled positions that aren't being are not funded. fully funded.
0: I get, no, no, I'm I'm looking at the text here, which seems to refer to fully funding the current city auditor position. Right. Then the additional that you're, I don't see the text here for that. That's all I'm saying. This says fully funding the filled city auditor position.
18: She's saying she doesn't see the two.
7: Okay, well, I guess this is just the one. Okay. Um, Mr. (laughs) Lasseter. It's my understanding that there were two positions. but
15: It's, it's fairly simple. Um, budget did put in the funding for... Uh, we were funded at 13 positions in FY18. Um, two of those positions are currently um, vacant. Budget did put funding in for those positions, but however, when they, they built the budget, it was in January before the city auditor's position was filled. So it, it pretty much comes out... It, about uh, even money, but there is uh, uh, if if you take the the funded positions in eighteen and compare it to the funded positions that are in the proposed budget there's there's one hundred and eighty four thousand dollars less there to cover those same positions that's exclusive of of the two that previously were talked about for the school board so just to get us back to the same level of position funding. That 184 is needed.
7: This has okay. nothing to do with the school board.
15: No, it's,
0: no, we've already addressed that okay. item um, uh, right below that, actually. But this, I want to be absolutely clear. This would allow us to have full funding for the currently filled city auditor position. Yes, ma'am. Okay, as as I read here. Okay, because the others have been addressed. in Perfect. Any... Other questions, comments, counselors? Ms. Robertson.
4: Yes. What's the impact if it's not there? Pardon? What's the impact if this 184 is not there?
15: Uh, I have two vacancies right now that I'm trying to fill, and I won't be able to fill them.
3: Okay. Thank you.
15: Uh, Ms.
4: Trammell.
3: Um, what are the two vacancies? What would their positions be?
15: Two audit what? positions. I'm sorry, what? There, there are two audit positions that are already that are funded in the 18 budget that would not be then funded in the 19 budget. Two two positions have four vacancies. Two of them in 18 are funded and two are unfunded. If this was not addressed, the two that are funded in 18, I would have a total of four unfunded then. So I would be going backwards in the simplest of terms and funded staffing, not counting the, the school discussion that was had earlier. And what would their
3: duties be? Well, as far as um,
15: in simplest terms, there's 3,200 uh, audit hours that I won't be able to build into the audit plan for FY19. Six okay. audits, depending on the scope of the audit.
0: Okay. Thank you. So again, um, what we're looking at here. Fully funding the currently filled city auditor position is what these dollars would do, which allows him to continue to fill the positions that are already in the budget, but not uh, these dollars. So um, I'm going to ask for a consensus, ma'am.
14: Yes, all those in favor of moving this amendment forward um, to the next phase of the process, please raise your hand.
0: Consensus? thank you Uh, last uh, item Ms. Robertson
4: yes an amendment to the budget of $17,410 for the purpose of adding all city council members into the retirement fund for retirement deferred Compensation plan beginning July first for council members?
0: July first of
4: Yes. This year.
0: Council members? Questions? Comments? Um Ms. Yes, I have a question. So
3: this is only
4: gonna start this July? it will put all council persons in the budget as of july 1st i want to add
3: my name to it i want to put my name on it
7: miss gray are we able to live? i'm just asking mr jackson and also i just wanted to have a full understanding this is Deferred comp, not the executive retirement program.
4: That would be what I would prefer, but um, we thought we would make a baby step and see how far we get from there. I mean, you know, we, council members, um, you know, I think this is something we've talked about over and over again. Um, You know, we, $25,000 a year salary uh, to have a benefit package for retirement, uh, for, for the council members, I think it's is a reasonable request to make. Uh, I would prefer that it, is, it was, but, you know, the deferred compensation is where, uh, because of a lot of the answers that I would have to provide in order for, to go to the uh, uh, other system of not the deferred compensation, uh, and I'm not, we're not prepared to answer those questions at this time, so this would be an introductory way of getting us into the system, and perhaps we can evaluate it. Ms. Brown?
14: Yeah, I just want to um, just make a correction. I had an error on the sheet. It should be defined um, contribution, not deferred compensation. So I just want to make sure
7: that that was clear. I thought that's what you, you meant. Okay. De- the current retirement plan for all employees
16: okay. in general.
0: Were there any other questions? I think Mr. Okay, Mr. Jackson, and I'll come back to you, Ms. Larson.
16: Um, We learned about the uh, proposal uh, late Friday afternoon, so we have not had an opportunity yet to uh, fully research and analyze the issues. But there are two potential issues, an underlying potential. We don't have the answers yet. First potential issue is a conflict of interest act issue uh, in which members of council are voting to give themselves benefit. The second issue arises under state law that prohibits a council, any governing body, from increasing its salary. That's the word that's used in the statute. Uh it requires that any increase in salary not take effect until the next um, until after the next election again i just want to let council be aware that these are issues that may preclude you from doing this but we simply haven't had a chance to do the analysis yet thank you miss larson
9: um i thought i had heard other council members who've been around a little bit longer than i that this was a benefit that you used to have? No?
4: It was at one time.
9: Okay. And then what happened? Can you share the history with me?
3: Are you asking when, what year did we, did we have retirement Then it went away?
9: Yeah. And yeah, it did. And why why, why did, did it? it go away? I don't were think any of us,
3: any, none of us were sitting up here at the time when that happened.
9: Okay.
3: But it was, it was, um, I don't want to mention his name. It's when we had the other former government and the person in the 6th district, which it was not Ellen, decided to take the retirement away.
0: So, any other questions? Or, okay. I, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry just one other thing. Okay.
9: Um, are there other localities? Well, that,
0: yeah, I have a series of questions in that regard, but as well, I don't know that we've done that research. To determine if, you know, what similar localities are doing in this regard. I'm not sure.
4: I, this is not a new subject matter, so I but. think that there has been previous research that have been done. Um, it's not been a decision that we've made and moved forward before, even though we've had discussions about it. Um, and I think part of it is because of you know, first of all, determining whether or not we can do it or cannot do it. Um, but Certainly, you know, I think that there are some questions that we certainly have not had an opportunity to to be able to get all of those particular answers to. And um, the fact that all of these amendments are submitted by 12 o'clock on Friday, it would always get to the attorney late on Friday afternoon. Ms. Gray?
7: So, can we allow for... Um, legal to review this before we.
0: Well, I was going to ask if we could, the patron, if we could hold it until we could get the opinion of the city attorney before decisioning and bringing it back to our next session.
4: I have no objections to that, madam. I uh, just right. didn't want to miss the opportunity to put the amendment in sure. by the deadline for the subject area that we've discussed. Okay.
7: So. And
0: Mr. Jackson is indicating he can get that. Uh, information back to us by next budget session.
7: So I, do we need to suspend our budget process rules and agree to move this to when we have all the I think, could legal? we just
0: not consent to put this on hold pending uh, receipt of information from Mr. Jackson at by bu- next budget session? Or continuing it to next budget session? Maybe that's just the simplest
14: as long as the body um, consents to move it to the next.
0: Okay. One. So, Ms. Trammell has a question, and then I'll call for a consensus on continuing this item to next budget session, uh, okay. pursuant to our receipt of information from Mr. Jackson, at which time we should be able to decision which way.
3: Madam, Madam President, um, Ellen's right. We've been talking about this ever since Daisy Weaver was here, and I know there's got to be some. Um, it's got to be some paperwork with paper trails somewhere from all those years, because I know this has been brought up year after year after year.
0: Actually, that's what Lou was sharing as well. So we can get that information as well as um, Alan's uh, additional review by next budget session. So if we could uh, consent on continuing it, uh, uh, you know, and look to receive that information as you're referencing and then from legal. If that is uh, something we're amenable to, Madam, Deputy Director, if you would
14: give uh, us a All those to move this item forward to the next um, budget session for consideration, please raise your hand. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Ms. Robertson?
14: Uh, all, all those to um, agree to move this amendment for consideration to the next budget work session, please raise your hand.
0: Pursuant to re- being continued for decisioning pursuant to receipt of information, et cetera. Okay. Okay. Uh, With that item complete, uh, Council Members, uh, Ms. Brown um, has included in our packet uh, for review at subsequent meeting amendment decrease proposals and amendment revenue proposals, which we will take up at uh, a future date. Okay. So with that, uh, this session
5: stands adjourned. Councilwoman. I'm sorry, I thought there was one other discussion item for increases that was going to be on the agenda.
14: Um, I believe that discussion item is going to be at the next budget work session.
5: The next budget work session, okay. Okay. And just for my colleagues, I had submitted the budget amendment paperwork to establish the Department of the Office of Inspector General um, as we were separating the audit function and OIG. Uh, and I had submitted that, and I think we were going to have a different conversation r- rather than just my okay. amendment. So uh, that will be at the n- next At Monday. the next budget session.
14: Yes, uh, okay. we'll incorporate into a discussion I for the next budget. Thank you. Okay.
0: Thank you. With that, this session stands adjourned.